Attention audience. That's right. It's that time of the week again. You know what time it is. Eric, you want to tell them? It's Friday, Friday, Friday films. That's right. See, I'm not even going to fight you anymore. I'm just going to let you do it from now on. Uh, that's right, everyone. It's Friday films. Um, Find and review. Still going strong. And again, this is Jordan and Eric. And this week, we have a very interesting movie. And it is On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Wow, that's a mouthful. Tongue twister almost. It's hard to say. It is the longest Bond title so far, most definitely. Oh, yes. But, yes. of course, very Bond by featuring, you know, Majesty's Secret Service. Yes, it very was. So, jumping into this movie, one of the things that we talked about last movie uh, in review was that we have one of the biggest things of this movie is a new Bond for the time yes. being. Yes. Yes, he's a he's a one-off Bond, but he is he is the new Bond for this for this film. Um, so, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, starring George Lazenby. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time we'll ever see him is Bond, so we'll we'll see how he stacks up against the rest of them um, on the complete list. This movie released December nineteenth, nineteen sixty nine, in the U.S. of A. Directed by Peter Hunt, who was also the editor of the previous bond movies. So they, oh, they yeah, yeah. They, um, there was some, uh, contract thing where, you know, he was, he was, he was wanting to leave as editor. Um, or they tried to get him on as editor in you only live twice, get him back on. And he was like, listen, I, I've, I've done enough of these movies. I want to direct. The only way I will edit. You only live twice is if you let me direct. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. So they were like, okay, deal. Nice. <laughs> so that's how Peter Hunt got to uh, direct On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, this is the longest movie so far for Bond, and one of the longest in the franchise. Two hours and 22 minutes. Okay, so it was longer than I thought. It was. I, I know I kept stopping a good bit to, to make notes and do some other things, but I felt like the movie took a lot longer to get through. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a bit of a bit of a drag in parts. Um, budget of $7 million. Sorry, I'm laughing because I misheard you. I thought you said dragon part. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, dragon part. Okay, I got it. Just misheard um, you. Continue. <laughs> budget of $7 million, which you can definitely see in this movie. This is, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of stunts, a lot of action, especially towards the end of it. Yeah. Um, th- this one definitely feels, this one along with You Only Live Twice, um, definitely feel like more modern movies compared to the, the, the first four. Um, yeah, the I first four you could definitely feel felt like early 60s films, whereas these two, you're starting to see that transition into that, that 1970s style and budget, you know, with them getting higher and higher up the food chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely noticeable in the movie. Um, like it's, again, like you said, in the, towards the end more than anything, but you still see him in a couple of the different parts of the movie as we go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, more more so definitely at the end you see all that. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, you ready to ro- roll on into it? Yeah, yeah, that's all you got. Um, now, I did have a quick question. You mentioned about the director. Did he also edit as well? Because you said he edited the last one, so he could direct this one. Did he do both? Um, this movie, I or he believe just he. I believe he edited this one as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to fact check that one. I did not. I did not double check that before okay. before recording. But I'm pretty sure he edited this one too. 
The only reason I ask is, um, especially as we jump into the in, the beginning of this movie, uh, there was a couple effects that I noticed that uh, I thought were really cool. And I know we talked about this before recording about how the, we're seeing the times of film production change and mm-hmm. more special effects and stuff like that thrown yep. in there. Uh, but I, once you mentioned the fact that he was an editor and now director, being that I've dabbled with a little bit of the, like schooling and stuff like this, having that mindset both directing and editing all that, knowing both the ins and outs, I feel helps on set when recording and doing different stunts and stuff like that. You can visualize and how things are going to look on film a little exactly. bit. Exactly. And yeah. I noticed that through the beginning of the movie with some of the effects. I'm like, that is really cool mm-hmm. how they did all that. And so that's probably how you got some of that is because he had edited yeah. all the bonds before. He knew exactly how they mm-hmm. needed to look. And that's what I was curious about because, I mean, it, it, makes, it definitely makes sense looking back now at yeah. some of these effects, having that little bit of info. So, um, all right, well, then let's get started. Bonds on Her Majesty's Secret Service. God, that's, that's hard. I think Majesty is the hardest one because I, <laughs> I, I can't pronounce that right to begin with. But uh, On Her Magistrate's Secret Service. Ma- no, majesties. Magis, mag, magis, magis. <clears throat> so we kick off with the classic mm-hmm. gun barrel intro. A um, little bit more. One thing I noticed on this one is the the Bond theme was a little bit more techno-y. Yes. Did yes. you notice that? Okay. I did. And, and if I'm not mistaken, the, and granted, this might be just because I'm used, so used to the intro that I don't pay close, close attention to it, but this one, and I don't remember this in the last movie or the other movies, when it's doing the gun barrel across the screen, it stops and throws in some, um, I forget exactly what it was, but wording like... I forget if it was production company name yeah, or something. It's the, uh, yeah, and then the production goes back. company name. Yeah, they, they did that on. I think that they did that on From Russia with Love as well. But this is the only other movie in the franchise that does that. Okay, I was gonna say because usually yeah. it's just gun barrel, gun barrel, Bond, then red. And yeah. I was like, "There's a stop." I was like, "I don't remember that stop in anything else." Yeah. But I don't know. This is this Maybe and from it. Russia with Love were the only were the only two movies in the franchise that that do that. Um, no. But we've got the gun barrel intro with a little bit more techno-y theme, James Bond, which I mm-hmm. honestly didn't particularly care for. That kind of that kind of threw me off. A yeah, bit. Um, it was we, a little different. We cut to a meeting in London with good old M and Q. Q, Q time. Good, yeah. Well, a little Q time in this. <laughs> yeah, we didn't see much of Q, but he did have some kind of cool radioactive pocket lint or something that He's I didn't something really pay attention to. Yeah, yep, neither did I because it had nothing to do with what was going on. No, um, trying to Other track than, down 007 yeah. is what they are doing. Apparently, 007 has gone off grid. So MQ and Moneypenny are trying to track him down. <clears throat> then we cut straight into a car sequence. With a, now, I was say you can go ahead, but this is where I want to jump into some of the effects I saw. So I mean, you go ahead. It, sure. It, do you continue on? But I just yeah. want to let you know I'm gonna jump in here and there on this. Yep. this no problem. Scene, man. At least no until problem. the intro. Yep, you're good. Um, this is where we cut into a car, a, a a car sequence where the man's you know the man driving the car, his face is hidden. Presumably, mm-hmm. it is Bond. However, um, a car you know is honking and zooms past Bond. Um, Bond keeps continues driving along, driving along, comes across the car, you know, on on the side of the road by the by the beach, uh, pulls up next to it, pulls out his little um, scope from his gun in his in his glove box, and spies on this poor woman. So, leading up to this, I want to hit on this real quick. 
the uh, with Bond in the shadows, I really liked how the lighting was done on this, mm-hmm. and uh, or or the the shadows on as what I was talking about. But um, when we when I mentioned before recording about some of the, the effects and all they used, these are the kind of effects that I was referring to because they're done in a classic way where I don't think it really cost a lot of production, yeah. but it was neat and clever and it stands out. You know, the, the shadowing of Bond, so you can see the driver, but you can't see the face. You can see yeah. the, him lighting up the cigarette, but you still can't see the face. You can see the hat. It's like, it's given this mysterious guy driving down the road, which we pretty much know. Is you know Bond, who it but is. <laughs> it's not necessarily revealed yet, <laughs> but the way like the car comes up behind him and cruises around and then now it becomes a game where it's like, mm-hmm. all right, let me see if I can chase after. After. And then even when it jumps into, you said, Bond spying on the girl, the way they do it with, like, going through the scope and seeing the, the scope, you know, tracking her across the beach and all that, just that whole mysteriousness, the way they filmed it, I thought was really, really cool. And just, like, little effects yeah. like that stand out more in this movie to me than they did in all the previous movies. I gotcha. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, though, this, this whole scene kind of made no sense to me. Um, no, it didn't. I was really <laughs> confused. Like, like I said, this was like part one of the movie where it's like, yeah. I have no clue what's going on up until exactly. intro, but yep. there's some really cool, you know, visual really effects, cool effects here, which I'm Don't know what it means. Yeah. Um, but Bond spying on this woman who's currently wading into, wading into the water. Um, Bond freaks out, uh, assuming, yeah. I guess, she's trying to kill herself. That's what um, I assume, too. Or yeah. she's just trying to swim. I don't know. Either way. Um, but Bond freaks out and drives his drives his car down on the beach to quote unquote rescue her. Um, he walks up to her, you know, lifts her up out of the water, brings her down onto the, uh, uh, you know, drops her down onto the sand, and this is where we reveal the face of George Lazenby. Yes, as the new Bond introduces himself as James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but right as right as he introduces himself. Bond is snuck up on by two assailants that came out of nowhere. Yeah, like literally nowhere. These guys just appeared out of thin air. Um, A pretty cool fight with them fighting in the water. Um, Yeah, I I did enjoy the fight scene. Yeah, Um, the fight scene I enjoyed um, with them fighting in the water. A couple couple back and forth happened. Bond traps a man under a boat, which is pretty cool. Um, Yeah. one of the other things I want to hit on real quick, because it's it's quickly overlooked, but when uh, the fight first starts and Bond's like told to lay into the boat, and then like Bond attacks the guy with a hook that was like behind him, mm-hmm. um, he does that, and the hook goes on the ground, and then they start the fight, and it leads into the water. There's a quick shot as they go into the water where the hook is kind of like in the foreground, and they're like fighting in the background behind the hook with mm-hmm. like as sh- like silhouettes. Yeah. And I thought that was also another really good scene, but it, <laughs> it only lasted for like a couple seconds. It was yeah. literally like a quick in and out. I'm like that was really cool, and that's where I'm starting to see, like you said, the times are changing, the angles yeah. are changing, people are starting to get more creative in their filmmaking, mm-hmm. and little things like that were cut into this movie and caught my attention for the first half. So I was entertained the first half, but that's not so much because of the Bond story. It's because More I was because looking of the, at the, the, art the style. cinematic effects. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. I was looking at the, the art style. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. Oh, that's cool. I like that. I'm going to jot this down. Um, um, so my but, excitement for the first half of the movie is more coming from a... Uh, from the cinematography uh, side. Exactly. Yeah. Than it was the Bond in the story. So <laughs> that's probably why it didn't seem as slow for me. But yeah, I thought um, that was really cool. It was, it was hidden in there real quick, but I thought that was a cool scene as they're doing this fight on the beach. Trust me, we'll get into the drags, especially for this first half. This 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 first hour is going to be a long haul, man. Um, oh, maybe I'll, I'll uh, 
make it a little better with all my little quirks in here. I know, or right? The things that caught my eye. Yeah. Um, but Bond, Bond traps the man under the boat. He traps the other guy in some fishing netting. During all, while all this is happening, the girl is is running up the beach, steals Bond's car just long enough to, to drive to up the car. beach to her own car. <laughs> I, I laughed at that too. I'm like, why? Why not just keep yeah. going? But yeah, all right. trades cars. Um, Bond makes a, a nice little quip, quip as a reference of him not being yes. Sean Connery. But I think he, I think he says, "This never happened to the other guy," yes. which I thought yeah. was a cute little nod to yeah, to them the, changing nah. Bonds. I thought that was neat. Yeah, well, I laughed because um, I wrote that down too. It's like this never happened to the other fellow, and then yeah. he has this like light grin and like looks at the camera and before exactly. it, like cuts. Kind of like this, right. ch- yeah, this just cheeky little moment. Um, mm-hmm. Then we cut straight into the in- intro sequence, intro sequence, which features yes. scenes kind of in flashback form from other Bond movies, um, yes, like, showing which other I said, villains. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had to do a um, a rewatch because I, I didn't catch it the first time. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. intro, and I'm like jotting notes. I glance up. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. That person was from a different Bond movie, and then like <laughs> I, I cut another scene. I'm like, "What is going on?" So I had to like rewind and actually p- closely pay attention, and I start realizing that they're throwing these scenes from all the other Bond movies up to now into this movie. Yeah. Um, which I was like, "That's kind of cool." And I, I also, again, with the editing, I liked how it was like the black silhouette, and then there was different yeah. shapes, and then the pictures were kind of put into the shapes. And they were yeah. there was a play where they'd kind of come in and out of focus as they were going through the shapes. Like it was almost like a funhouse mirror in some of the scenes, and it was yeah. it was neat how they did that. The silhouette style, I will say, was was better than it has been in previous movies. But mm-hmm. this intro as a whole is no, my least yeah, favorite it, intro. This intro it, it as a whole a, really didn't carry any weight. There no, was nothing special about it really. I mean, it was just kind of there. Yeah, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a good intro, but I would say it was kind of neat as far as effects go. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I will give it that because that's one of the things that I've always looked at or, or been trying to look at from the beginning of Bond. Like when we do our intros, we talk about the, like the music and how it's done. And the special effects is always kind of neat how they do the intro. Yeah. And this one I thought it was neat, but as intro as a whole, did not have yeah, yeah like just said, any weight. Just to didn't really hold up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, at post intro, Bond arrives at a hotel and checks in. Um, goes up to his room, looks about his room, overlooking the pool, which is really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Changes clothes and goes to the casino to play cards until... Well, what the nice thing is, again, another one of these little effects, the, it took me a while to, to realize the, the, the transitions. The transitions between scenes I thought were really clever. Where, like When they did the casino, he's like looking over at the pool, and then like it does the like day to night, and then you just see casino written across see the, the pool. See the reflection of the casino sign? Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like Bond entering the casino. I'm like, that's kind of <clears> cool. I was like, that's neat how they did that. Um, but some of these transitions, you'll hear me reference throughout the movie, because that's mm-hmm. I thought was the thing that kind of caught my attention, was a yeah. lot of the transitions in scene and between scenes that I yeah. really enjoyed. I gotcha. Um, well, Bond enters the casino and, and, and plays cards until the girl that he mm-hmm. rescued from earlier shows up. Um, she plays one hand, loses, seems to kind of be in a... Being a bit of a pickle, so Bond essentially pays her debt. Um, they have a little conversation at the te- at the at the um, the little dining at the little area dining tables. area. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Bond orders caviar and wine to be sent up to her room. Yep. Bond proceeds to go upstairs to to meet her at her hotel room um, to find the girl, but it's surprise, the girl's not there, and it is yet another mm-hmm. assailant that came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah it's just bad to appear um they fight you get a little back and forth fight of them basically destroying this this poor girl's hotel room until bond gets <laughs> the upper hand and knocks the man out 
I, I do like the fight scene. I thought it was decently played, considering, again, Bond's against another uh, tougher opponent, essentially. Yeah. So I, the, I thought it was the, a decent The fight. Bond scenes and the, the fight scenes in this movie are pretty good. There are a couple that we'll, we'll get to that I, were just unnecessary fights. They were fights yeah. that led to nothing. Um, yeah. I think it was just to kind of hold your attention long enough. Yeah. They're like three-second fights that end up having no effect on, uh, no outcome on anything at all. Um, I do like the um, the little quirks that are, or I keep saying quirks, the um, phrases that he says throughout yeah. the movies. I mean, I do think they're a little bit more fluent as far as catchphrases go. It's nothing like too out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like after this whole fight scene, one of the things he says, like after Bond wins and is done, he's like, I'll leave you to clean up. Like little things like that. I just thought were kind of funny. They They entertained me at least. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. They fight. Bond gets the upper hand. He proceeds back to his hotel room, mm-hmm. begins walking around, kind of undressing, sets his gun down. And we see a, we see a female hand come into frame as, uh, she takes Bond's gun from the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know revealed. This is the girl that he met. He met earlier. Uh, Bond proceeds to, you know, he, re- he gets her to let go of the gun. There's a little flirtation back and forth. And then Bond straight up slaps her (laughs) (laughs) and begins interrogating her um, uh, as to why there was a, a, a uh, henchman, so to speak, an assailant in her, in her room. Um, Little conversation goes, yeah, yeah, no idea. A little conversation goes back and forth. They're on the um, uh, patio, patio area. Uh, Bond and her are having a conversation about about debt while the assailant that Bond knocked out earlier listens at the door. Um, mm-hmm. Implied sexy time occurs, and the next morning Bond wakes up to find his gun missing and the girl having checked out of the hotel room or yep, the, the, the hotel. She does leave money to kind of pay Bond back from the poker. Exactly. Uh, yeah, she does table, leave him some poker clever. chips. Yep. And she does. Le- she is nice enough to leave him a robe and a flower on the bed when he wakes up so he can I at know. least get dressed. That was kind of clever. So sweet. Um, uh, Bond take, goes down to the lobby with golf clubs, reportedly just to, just to play around round of golf, you know. As we know from Goldfinger, Bond's pretty good at golf. Mm-hmm. Um, in the lobby, he is taken by a group of, group of gentlemen and driven to a building, to a construction construction site. Yes. Um, uh, real quick, this is another one of those transition be seen, between scenes that I thought was kind of neat. And now that you mentioned that an editor directed the movie, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, when they get into the car, you see the other guy, the other henchman that Bond was fighting with, but, and they're just kind of cruising down the road with the convertible top down. And then you start seeing the convertible top start closing up. And as it's closing up and kind of coming over to like where the camera goes, it kind of goes black. And then you see the car at nighttime driving yeah. up to this this construction site or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really neat transition. And it makes more sense now knowing that an editor who does the transitions and cutscenes was the one directing because he can see that, that ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, so like these transitions I thought were really neat. And I, enough for me to jot them down as we go. Yeah. Um, so Bond is Bond is 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 taken to this um, to this construction site where there is a little person for some strange reason sweeping the floors and humming the theme song to Goldfinger. Don't know if you caught that. I didn't. I heard him whistling, <laughs> but I didn't pay attention to what he was. He was whistling, he was whistling the whistling. theme song to Goldfinger. Um, Bond breaks away from these men right before they go into a room. Fights them all. This part, uh, I, I made a specific note about sound design. All of the punches in this in this short little were fight echoed. sequences were echoed like gunshots. I did not like that. 
I didn't either. I was I trying don't. to figure out why. I, the only thing no I can think idea. of is because of whatever was in the room, but none uh, of it really no. made sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I, there was nothing that, that I, I did just did not like that sound design. Um, <clears throat> but Bond breaks away from these men, goes into the room anyway, um, and makes I love awesome karate pose with a knife ready yeah. to throw at somebody on the other side of the room. I, say, I love how his entrance, like he got the knife from the guy, he, he like flips into the room closes the door behind him and he's like knife in hand ready to throw like a ninja style like that's exactly well as we know from the last movie he was trained in the art of ninjutsu by the world's worst ninjas (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) yes i remember that now he goes into the room and he's greeted by uh i can't remember this guy's last name but first name draco markov i think i think it's draco yeah yeah it's like i write in markov for his name the whole whole exactly Um, he's greeted by him. He's a, he's a, a well-known crime, crime Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Bond relaxes. They have a little conversation back and forth. Uh, he is the, here to recruit Bond to help his daughter, who is the girl from earlier. Uh, one, one quick thing I wanted to point out here when he does his entrance and, you know, Mark was like, you know, don't kill me yet. At least have a drink with me before you kill me in this net. One of the cool other visual effects that I liked, and I don't know if you picked up on this, uh, it's, they call it a rack focus, if I remember correctly. But when he Bond ends up throwing the knife over his shoulder and hits the counter behind mm-hmm. him, and you know it's one of those like the camera is focused on Markov and the calendar behind him is blurry, mm-hmm. and then like as Markov pulls his glasses out to put on his face. The, they call it a rack focus because it changes focus from Markov to the wall. Yeah. And so, therefore, the counter becomes clear and you see the knife, like, in the number. And he's like, oh, well, yeah. you know, today's not the 14th, it's a 13th. He's like, oh, I'm superstitious. Like, <laughs> and I thought it was kind of neat. I mean, it wasn't really necessary, but yeah. that visual effect was enough to kind of, like, be, hey, that's really cool. And that's a simple, easy, just change the focus ring mm-hmm. on the camera. No crazy money involved. It's literally, like, a couple of seconds. Yeah. Super simple, basic, but makes a big um, impact. Impact, yeah, essentially yeah. In, in that scene, which I thought was really, really cool. But yes, anyway, then they continue mm-hmm. on and have drinks and talk about his daughter and um, so on. Yep, Bond is Bond is uh, or Dra- Drakov is uh, attempting to recruit Bond to help his daughter Tr- Teresa, who goes by Tracy, according mm-hmm. to Bond. Um, he wants he wants him to marry her to kind of force her to settle down, have a <laughs> yeah. man to control her. Essentially, is exactly <laughs> what he says. Um, Bond responds with, you know, married life's not really for me, but if I do anything, you know, we, things got to go both ways. So he responds with asking, asking him or asking Drakov to use his contacts to help find the location of Blofeld, mm-hmm. um, who we find out Bond's been tracking for, you know, for these, these last couple of years. Yeah. I think it's like two years they reference. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Bond, Bond shows back up at headquarters and flirts with money pity yet again. Yeah. <clears throat> you missed something in that last scene. That is when the movie title is um, thrown up. Yeah, in yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little quirk about between Bond and Markov, like knowing who each other are as mm-hmm. far as the criminal world and how Bond's part of Her Majesty's Secret Service. Secret Service. They reference that, that a couple in, times in the like the next. They do, but I, I yeah. think that's like the first time you hear it, and that was what I caught. I'm like, hey, there's the movie title. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Yep, movie title so. in there. Um, Bond shows back up at headquarters, flirts with Money Pity, and meets with mm-hmm. M. Um, M takes Bond off of the Spectre case. He's like, you know, yep. you've, we've given you your shot. You've been working on this for a while. We've gotten nowhere. You're, you're, you're off. Um, Bond leaves very, very upset. Ask Money Penny to, to, to provide M with a note of his resignation from 
Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, yeah, another reference. Yep. yep. Goes to his desk and cleans out his desk, pulling out items from previous movies, such as the the uh, the belt watch. and knife from Doctor No, the watch from, yep. from 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 Russia with Love, um, the um, <clears throat> air breather from Thunderball. Yep, the air breather from Thunderball. Um, while all this is going on, Bond's phone rings. He is, it's it's Money Penny who is called back, uh, who says M has called him back. Uh, he goes back to meet with him. M accepts Bond's uh, resignation, mm-hmm. and as well, Bond accepts the uh, the memo, accept, yep. accepts the memo. Uh, Bond leaves the room, and uh, Money Penny's like, "Well, you know, why do you seem upset? You got what you wanted, right?" And Bond was like, yeah. "Oh, I don't know. I don't know about this." Money Penny's like, "Why don't you read the note?" Yeah. And Money Penny had put him in a request for two weeks of leave. Instead. Instead. So Bond leaves the door, and M M comes on the microphone and actually thanks Money Penny. You know, there's a little yeah. behind the scenes. They knew what they were doing. They know how to. They know how to play Bond. Yep. Um, and I love it because it, it was what Bond's like. What would I ever do without you? And then, like, as Bond leaves, M is on the microphone. And is like, what would I ever do without you? Exactly. And just like, she's just kind of like Penny smiling. just holds this whole thing yeah. together, man. Like she is. MI6, like five, seven, whatever they refer to it as. I can never remember. <laughs> it would fall apart without Miss Money Penny. It, it would. You it know, would. It really would. Would completely fall apart. Um, let's see here. Then we cut to Teresa arriving at a bullfight for her father's birthday. Yep. Um, she is reintroduced to Bond during this scene. She you know, leaves the leaves the situation. Talks to her sister for a minute. Her sister tells her about the arranged marriage idea. Was that her sister? That her father. That's what I picked up. For, I mean, that's what I, I, I was kind of wondering. I wasn't sure if it was a sister or it like seemed a to, it seemed to be a sister. Or a friend or this something? is the only time we see her, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, and she can curious. you know to talk about the arranged marriage. Um, so now Teresa knows about the arranged marriage. They have a mm. little sit down dinner together. And Teresa seems very, very upset and essentially convinces her father to reveal information about Blowfield because that's what a good host would do. They wouldn't cause, you know, they wouldn't create this some sort of contract yeah. thing. <clears throat> um, then the, the, then I mean, this blurs kind of blurs together. Yeah, there's some little, it kind of runs on, you know, Teresa runs off, Bond chases her. Um, then and they then, have a little moment where you can see that they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of bonding. Montage. Exactly. And then we have a montage. We have Bond and Teresa bonding. They're riding horses. They're mm-hmm. going shopping. This is the, you know, falling in love sequence. You know, you yep. can you can see that there's there's a little bit more to this than than meets the eye. You know, they really do care for each other. Um, sequence end and Bond is dropped off at a, the office of some German guy. Mm-hmm. No idea who Which, he is. Just well, some German dude. They um they actually talk about him in the the meeting before Tracy runs off when she tells her dad to tell him. Yeah. He uh he talks about and I, I didn't write it down but I caught it. He mentions about this lawyer or something by the name of Gumgold. Yeah. Or Gumbold or whatever the guy's actual yeah. name was, who believes to have connections to Blowfield. Yeah. So when they drop him off, they drop him off at his office and then, you know, Bond proceeds to try and, you know, sneak into his office to find out more information to see if there is some type of connection or not. Yeah. Um, so Bond breaks into the office while the, while the uh, g- gumball is what I'm going to call him from here on out. Yeah. For I the next, for the next three minutes, at least that's see <laughs> that he's in the movie. So Bond breaks into the office of, of good old gumball um, while gumball is out for lunch. Um, 
Bond, you know, sets up a chair in front of the safe, kind of goes to the window, opens up the window, makes eye contact with a construction worker down below who sends up a... Mr. A, uh, curly Blonde is what Exactly, Curly as. Blonde Boy. He will be back, but not for long. Um, curly Blonde Boy sends sends up a case using the construction equipment to Bond, which is a, a big safe-cracking machine. Um, mm-hmm. So Bond hooks this up to the safe, and while waiting for the machine to crack the safe... Uh, we cut to Teresa and her father who are talking about her love of Bond and how she mm-hmm. loves him. And and her father is like, well, does he love you? And she's like, it doesn't really matter, but he will. If he doesn't, yeah. he will. Um, while waiting for the safe to crack, James Bond, like the pimp he is, mm-hmm. pulls out a Playboy and just starts flipping through it. I like how he <laughs> just finds it, too. It's just like sitting in the <laughs> office. And he's just kind of like flipping through, like, all right. Just yeah, flipping know. through a Playboy, like a freaking 12-year-old in her, in his when his parents are out of town, you know, just flipping <laughs> through it. Um, the safe cracks open, and Bond takes out some, some letters, um, some documentation, um, and proceeds to make copies using the machine. During mm-hmm. this whole scene, we're cutting back and forth between Gumball coming back to his office and Bond making copies, and will he make it out in time? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, Bond ditches the safe cracker kit, acro- kit across the balcony back into the uh, construction equipment and leaves the office right before Gumball arrives back. Um, yeah. Then we cut to a scene where Bond shows up at M's house and M has a wonderful hobby of collecting butterflies. I did like how Bond like took out one of the uh, <clears throat> pictures from the Playboy magazine and was just like walking casually out while passing Gumball with the like the magazine picture in his hand and all, like I thought it was hysterical. Completely missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like after he gets rid of the safe, cracked, and he like he locks the door back up, and he's walking down the hall, and Gumball comes up the elevator, and like him and the crowd like come out. Bond's like walking down the hall and comes around the corner, like holding. It was one of those like three page fold ups mm-hmm. of like from the Playboy magazine. He's just kind of looking at it and smirking and stuff, and he starts folding it back up and like putting in his pocket as he walks right past Gumball into the elevator and then like closes the elevator doors. Totally missed that, good sir. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. Like, not only did he sit there and read the guy's magazine while waiting for the crack to, uh, safe to crack open, but he, like, takes some of the pages out and just, like, keeps them as souvenirs. <laughs> um, uh, but Bond arrives at M house, M's house, who is, who is working on his butterfly collection and, and shows him the documents he discover, discovered, requesting to be reassigned to the case. Mm-hmm. Um, M agrees... And they concoct a plan of a the the coat of arms association to determine people's uh, genealogical status to royalty and all. Right? Yeah, royalty type stuff. Um, so the plan a plan is forged that Bond will take place of one of these one of these people that is going to meet the whatever I can't remember the name the pronunciation of it, but the French version of Blofield. There's somebody mm-hmm. in Switzerland who is claiming to be a count. Um, and there was a meeting established for that organization to meet with him to f- guarantee that is correct before they grant him the status of count. Um, so Bond meets with this director that forges him, you know, a f- whole family history with this crest and everything. And Bond's family crest motto is the world is not enough. I caught that. I wrote that down. Which will go now, on to be a Pierce Brosnan movie. Now, if I'm not mistaken, because I know this scene was kind of like quick and I only caught bits and pieces, but... Did they like forge him one, or did they use some of his actual family? I think ties they f- in they forged him the document because he's not royalty, but they made him seem royalty, but using kind of 
stuff his from his history. Background. So, okay. yeah. As I caught bits and pieces. I, I heard him say something about using his background yeah. for the documentations, but I wasn't sure if he like they forged and just kind of put like some in to make it traceable or if it was, you know, like he actually comes from royalty to a point. Yeah, no, like the, the way I interpreted it is, is, is at least the coat of arms was forged, which led me to believe they used okay. some of Bond's, you know, Scottish and English ancestry to make this seem legitimate. Um, let's see, where was I when I left off? Uh, yep, word was not enough. Yeah, they discussed yeah. the plan for him to take this guy's place for a potential meeting with, with Blowfield. Um, then we cut to the Swiss Alps with James Bond in, a, in a, a, actually a decent disguise. We don't really see him do disguises too often. No, yeah, I was actually impressed when I saw this disguise. I had the glasses, you know, accent was changed and everything, which a little bit pipe of pipe and everything. Yep. Which a little bit of throw in for trivia time during the scenes where he's in disguise like this, his voice is actually dubbed by another actor. It wasn't him doing an accent; it's it's another actor's voice. Really, um, that just I to make didn't him know. sign to sound different. Um, the early Bond movies really like dubbing people's voices. You yeah, know, that's, that's I mean, happened. I mean, it makes, yeah, it makes that's sense, happened a lot. But, um, um, and, I mean, you kind of catch that in different scenes. Like, you could hear some voices thrown in, like screams and stuff when they weren't like in the car or something like that. Yeah. But uh, I, I didn't pick up on the dubbing of the voice during those scenes. Like, I thought that was pretty clever because I was yeah. thinking to myself, like, that's pretty good that they were able to act with that accent. But, no, <laughs> no, yeah. complete dub. Um, yeah, well, cut, you lost points there, ladies and yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we cut to the Switzerland with Bond in disguise. He's met by a German woman who escorts him. Um, and during this time, Bond is being the followed by line, curly, curly Blonde Boy. Yes, yes. Old Curly Blonde Boy um, from the construction site. Bond's, I'm going to call him Bond's pack mule, because apparently pack that mule. just seems to be the man that follows Bond around hoping to give him shit. Don't know what he was going to give Bond in this movie. We never, yeah. we never find out. Yeah, Spoiler that's right, alert. you don't. Um, uh, but Bond is taken on a helicopter ride around the Swiss, Swiss, Swiss Alps up to the very dippy, dippy top at yep, this, which this guy can't go exactly, which is completely blocked off to the general public after a certain height. Um, Bond is taken to this allergy research facility mm-hmm. run by this alleged count, um, upon Bond's arrival, he's taken to be, make sure he's checked out by a doctor and brought to his quarters. Meanwhile, yeah, he says something about being like air sick or something exactly. as, as far as character goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, the German woman calls Blofeld to let him know of the arrival of Mr. Bond. Um, still in disguise. Cause still in disguise. Point, they course. don't really say well, he's Bond. Or yeah, I think they already know. I'm pretty sure they do, too. Yeah. Um, but Bond invest, invest, investigates his room, um, <clears throat> which... There's a whole system of you have to buzz to be let out of your room. So you're permanently yep. locked in. And apparently it's a security measure to keep the patients from interacting with each other too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, he changes into his Scottish attire. Yep. And um, I like the uh, spy tactics. You, you kind of briefly mentioned where he's kind of like walking around the room, looking at stuff. And yeah, he's trying to make sure. About, yeah, doing the classic Bond thing, making the, sure yeah, that the there's nothing too much. You know, there's nothing out of place or anything like that. Um. Bond changes into a Scottish attire and meets with the German room woman woman in a room full of beautiful women. Mm-hmm. Just filled to the rafters. Like they just like they went through Bond's Playboy magazine from other from from, from <laughs> earlier and just picked out like Miss January, Miss February, December, November, August, you know, all of the, the whole calendar of of women is in this room right now. It's, I mean, that's a good analogy. I mean, um 
because if I'm not mistaken, like the only other guys you see in this movie are like the the henchmen bodyguards. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. or maybe a few scientists. But this otherwise, this research I, for I facility is basically a pimp pad. You know, that's yeah. that's pretty much how it goes. Blowfield knows how to roll. Basically, is what we what we pick up. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the room full of beautiful women, um, they proceed to. The women are all fascinated by Bond because the only men they usually see since they've been there are the workers, which you know mm-hmm. they refuse. They they can't interact with, so they're fascinated with with Mishja Bond. Um, they proceed to have dinner at a ro- you know at a at a rotating dining room where I made a special note of this. The women are eating stupid fast. Yes, yeah, they are. They are shoveling food into their faces. It is impressive. Um, Bond proceeds to stay undercover and starts talking about the most boring genealogical stuff he, he, I'm sure he knows. Um, starts talking about it. The girl to his left is oddly fascinated by all this and wants to see the book and find out more, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, the German woman immediately jumps in and goes, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. No association. He will give me the book and I will provide it to each of you in turn. Yep. Um, the girl's just not having this. So she gets a little creative and takes her lipstick and underneath the table reaches up under Bond's kilt. And if you know anything about Scottish people, ladies and gentlemen, they don't wear no underwear under those kilts. You know, I've, I've never actually paid attention to that. I knew they wore kilts, <laughs> but that, I didn't really care to know about anything else there. on that one. So That's she takes her lipstick know. and writes her room number on the inside on, on Bond's inner thigh. <laughs> um, uh, after Clever. dinner, yep. After dinner, Bond is finally taken to meet the Count, aka Bluefield. And mm-hmm. once you see this man, you immediately know it's Bluefield. You know, yeah. yeah they really change good. the actor; it's a different person that doesn't have the face scar or anything else anymore. Um, but it's been two years. He has time to yeah. heal and cosmetics and all that other stuff. You can immediately tell that tell that this is Blowfield. However, um, they meet meet Blowfield and they have a little conversation back and forth about you know about his lineage and whatnot and how long it's going to take for for mm-hmm. Bond to establish whether it's legitimate or not. Um, and um, a, lo- a meeting location as well. Exactly. Um, so Bond is taken back to his room to continue the investigation of the legitimacy of the Count's claim. Bond proceeds to find a way out of his locked room using a nail file um, and goes to room eight to meet the, the lovely lady is, from dinner time. The, the, he actually, the first time he does it, because I, I caught this, I was trying to figure out what he was doing. He, if, if I'm not mistaken, he takes the metal strip out of the old wooden rulers because he had a ruler on the table he was using. And he uses that to try and figure out how to escape the door and it like shocks him. So then he yeah. goes back and gets an eraser and um, <clears throat> tries a, a couple different thing. Like he, he, he does a couple of things and it's not until a little later that he learns about the nail file trick and he ends up just using that instead. Yep. Well, he gets crafty the first time and I'm like, that's kind of cool. There's that <laughs> spy tactics come into play. Um, but he goes to room eight to meet the girl and has a little, little flirty back and forth with her, with her. Mm-hmm. And then we get the second sexy time of the movie. Yep. But not before, not before Bond stands up and proceeds to, to declothe himself and he drops the kilt and the girl goes, so it really is true. Which is the reference of Scotsmen don't wear underwear. No wear underwear. <laughs> um, uh, but sexy makes more time, sense now. Sexy time ensues. 
Uh, Post-sexy time, they're having a little conversation back and forth about her history. You know, she was allergic to chickens. That's how she came here. But she's really been helped, this, that, and the other thing. And then all of a sudden... You notice at the dinner table, they all talked about briefly during that collage of what they were either allergic to or didn't like. She was chicken. Someone else was like potatoes. And that's what they were eating for dinner when they were devouring it. Like she was devouring chicken who at one point she was allergic to. Exactly. Yep. So I did kind of catch on that when they yeah, did that. Yeah, good, good, good pick up on that. I actually missed that. Mm-hmm. Um, but post-sexy time, they're having a conversation, and all of a sudden, these psychedelic lights cut on, and Blowfield's voice comes over the intercom, and the woman is like, oh my god, this is part of my treatment, and lays completely back and goes into kind of almost a trance-like state, mm-hmm. while Blowfield is is talking over the intercom in a very, very creepy way. So far, he's only talking about baby. allergy stuff, but this is most obvious a brainwashing yeah. technique that they're using yep. on these poor women. That's what I would say. Brainwashing therapy starts. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, after the brainwash tape, Bond leaves and returns to his own room where he is met by yet another mm-hmm. woman from the dinner. And yet again, more sexy time occurs using the exact same method, the exact same I, words. I love, yeah, the pickup lines <laughs> were like identical between the the second woman and the first one. Like, really? You can't even use other pickup lines? Do you have to use the same ones? So, yeah, so Bond is rocking two for two in what I will henceforth refer to as Bluefield's brothel. <laughs> um, we cut to the morning and uh, old, you know, old, old curly blonde boy is looking up at the facility from the public area, which is as high as he can get. Mm-hmm. Um, he attempts to get to the top using one of the cable cars, but is immediately like it's hard shut nine. down. Like these guys are just not having it. Yeah. They're just like, no. Nope. Um, so the blonde guy proceeds to free climb up the up the mountain. I give him credits. <clears throat> yeah, free climb. For those birds, he probably would have made it. I know, right? Free climb up the mountain while Bond plays shuffleboard with the lovely ladies up top. Um, blonde Old guy. Valley, like, falls and slides, too. Yep. Blonde, blonde guy is captured by his location being revealed by crows that I don't think exist at that high up. But, you know, they were there for some reason. Yeah. They're trained. They're pets. So Curly Blonde Boy is captured and tries to make a show of, you know, you know, you can't you can't block the whole mountain, you know, blah, 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 this yeah. that, and the other thing. Completely unnecessary. Um, don't know why that happened. But the Blonde Boy is taken away, presumably to be, to be brought back down the mountain. You know, they said, we'll send you back down the mm-hmm. mountain. Your stuff will come later. Um, <clears throat> Bond returns to uh, to his room expecting to see the girl from room eight because while they were playing shuffleboard, she says, we need to talk to you before we leave. It's around Christmas time. They're all going home for the holidays. Mm-hmm. He actually heads to that room, if I'm not mistaken. Because uh, when, yes, he when, heads... they're, when they're doing the shuffleboard thing, it was funny because she's like, I need to see you again. And it's like, okay, we'll meet at eight. And then the second girl's like, hey, I need to see you again tonight. And he's like, okay, nine. And then like yeah. the third girl walks by, he's like, ten? <laughs> <laughs> and then he makes references like, well, we gotta get back to work. Exactly. Uh, he's like, it's piling up or something exactly. like that. Um, <clears throat> uh, so this is when he uses the, the nail file to get out of the room instead of his weird concoction they made the first time because at this point the second girl from the first night was like oh i get around using a nail file yeah it's like ah clever so that's how he gets out and goes to room eight again yep uh for the second Um, night in a row expecting to see the lovely lady once again but this is actually the german wench who not her and her henchmen in the room knock bond out um bond is awakened in the same room with good old Blowfield himself and is outed 
as James Bond. Um, this is where we have the the monologue moment of every Bond movie, which actually came much earlier than I expected. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Blowfield reveals his plan to use his research to poison all of the plants and animals through infertility if his demands aren't met so that no one's able to reproduce. Um, pretty devious plan there because it's not going to kill anything immediately, but it's going to make damn mm. sure nothing you know, will live on. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting um, plot, so to speak. Yep, and it seems to be that he's using these poor women uh, in part of his plan. We don't know how yet. Other um, than brainwashing. Other than way. brainwashing, yep. Uh, bon is taken away to his quote-unquote new accommodations. <laughs> I laughed when I heard that, too. Yep, um, and showed that his blonde colleague has been killed and has been posed as a climbing accident. Happens all the time in the Alps, Blowfield says. Um, Bond is thrown into a room full of gears. This is the gear room that controls the ski lifts. Um, Which I thought was kind of neat because there were steps, but then there was nothing. So it was almost like that. at one point in time there were steps and then just kind of all broke apart or something. Exactly. Because like, he walks down and then it's just drop. Yeah, just drop into nothingness. Where does that go? Yeah. Like into the, into the mountain? Like do they just... Guess. Just drill like a straight up hole into the mountain just for that room, like I'm, I'm guessing, yeah, because it made no sense. It made zero sense that 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 crevasse, if you will, would be there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, unless it was, I mean, well, I, I mean, unless like the support that all the heavy gears and everything holding the weight of the cable car went down enough to you know like anchor in the mountain and not just like break off or something. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know. I'm, not, I'm not a structural engineer, but I. I would feel that that cable car going up a mountain's got a lot of weight and i, I don't know i'm <laughs> trying to reason here but i got nothing i got nothing you got nothing <laughs> no don't worry about it uh, <laughs> um uh bond's taken to that taken to that room and we cut to a christmas party upstairs with the german mm-hmm. woman and all of the girls they're being provided like the, uh, back and forth here exactly yeah they're being provided scenes. christmas gifts from good old blowfield himself um, and drinks, eggnog, all around. We cut back and forth between this scene and Bond attempting attempting to shimmy the cable car wire um, with mm-hmm. varying deg- degrees of the success. And, Neat um, moment where he cuts out his own pockets to use them as gloves which to I, hold yeah, onto the cool cable. In certain scenes, he was actually wearing gloves, and in other scenes, he was actually wearing the pockets. Yeah, exactly. Like the <laughs> close-ups will use the pockets. Anything else, yeah. it's got to be gloves. Yeah. Um, uh, I do like also how... Um, during this present scene where they decide to wait for everyone to show up and all, they hand out the, because it's the holidays, eggnog. But yes. it's night-night flavor. Is that it's like night-night like? eggnog. Indeed. It is Much like eggnog. the tea from Dr. No in the first movie. Yes. Uh, sleepy time tea. We've got sleepy, sleepy time, time eggnog. Um, <laughs> so the girls are knocked out by sleepy time eggnog, patent pending. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> 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 um... Knocked out by Sleepy Time Eggnog, and a final brainwashing event occurs where Blowfield is telling them what the Grandmaster plan is. You know, each of you is going to go home. Each of you mm-hmm. is going to you, take your you presents. Know, take your presents. You know, open your gifts. You see that spray bottle. Don't use that spray bottle until you're told to use it. Mm-hmm. You see that little compact. Open it up. It's a transmitter, you know. If you hear my voice coming through, you you need to be alone every midnight. Open up your pocket and listen and wait to listen for my voice. And tune in to Bloodfield on Channel 3. Exactly. 
to maintain the nightly news (laughs) to maintain (laughs) the uh the brainwashing and i will cut into the sound it seems like you and i focus on very different things where you're more on the cinematography side i focus more on the sound yeah because the audio i pick up on but i don't catch it as much as i do the the visuals which says a lot about your role and my role in hoodoo (laughs) that's true it is definitely true (laughs) Uh, didn't notice that before this. Um, but the audio in this scene was really, really cool because when they open up the, the, the compact, the audio goes from being over from the the overhead speaker to the compact. So the audio actually changes to that, which I thought was really, really cool. That was a nice little touch. That that, I did catch that one. So now I know what you're referring to uh, because it almost kind of made it. It transition kind of felt like it was supposed to be part of the brainwashing therapy that exactly. way instead of getting used to hearing the overhead now they're used to hearing the pocket watch exactly so it's it's a transition type deal. Yep. that yeah like i said i i did like the transitions mm-hmm. a lot in this type uh this movie yeah i enjoyed that as um, well um bond and like during all this finally 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 gets off of the bond cable car finally gets out of the cable um drops onto a cable car that's coming up and sneaks his way back into the facility, mm-hmm. um, hiding behind the tail end. Exactly, hiding behind a ficus while he catches the tail end of the brainwashing <laughs> of the girls. I was expecting him just to kind of poke his head through, like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was waiting for what uh, <clears throat> he kept calling her, like Fairline or Feline, or I can't remember. Freulein. Freulein is the is the German Freulein. woman. Yeah. So I, I kept waiting for her to turn around and to see Bond's face sticking through the bushes. Exactly. <laughs> just peeping, just peeping. Yeah. You know. Um, Bond proceeds, you know, after the, after the brainwashing ceremony, Bond proceeds to, to leave. He hops and in, hops into an elevator, rides it, you know, rides it down to wherever this area is. Um, but mean, doesn't get out, doesn't get out because there's a receptionist on the other side of the door. Um, so the, the, the door goes ding, nobody gets up. So the receptionist gets, gets into invest, investigate and Bond just beats the shit out of him. Yes. Um, like hardcore. Knocks him out pretty much instantaneously. Um, the girls proceed to be taken down the mountain via cable car to be taken, you know, to go out into the world to prepare for Bluefield's imminent plan of world now, domination. Real quick, before we get too much farther, would you say that around this time is a pivoting point between the end of the movie catching up? I'd say it was like right around like Bond's revealing, like when when. <clears throat> Yeah once, we get to the, yeah, once we get to the Blowfield scene where, where like from Bond here and Blowfield, on out, it's all yeah, it's, we're in the, we're in the third act. This is where the movie, everything picks up from here mm-hmm. on out, you know, um, where it becomes more enjoyable. Exactly. As the movie goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. We're in, we're in more of the Bond moments of the movie now, which, are, which is really enjoyable. Um, <clears throat> uh, Bond knocks out the gentleman, the woman go, women go down the mountain on the cable car and Bond changes, has time to change into a wicked sweet blue ski suit. Yep. Um, and proceeds Hats, to ease and everything. Exactly. Proceeds to ski down the mountain. It is immediately spotted by the guards. Yeah. Instantly. He doesn't even get a chance to take Instantly off. I mean, spotted by the guards. Great day. Um, and proceeds to ski down the mountain while dodging bullets. Um, a ski chase ensues where all of the guards in this base apparently have their own set of skis and are prepared for this inevitable thing to chase yes. people down via ski. You know, they and go you, through training every Thursday. They do. Um, you know, it's like fire drills. You go through ski training every Thursday, just in case someone tries to escape this facility by ski. You have to know how to chase them down. That's true because uh, they have people trying to steal their 
secrets all the time. All the time. Said all the time apparently. Um, yes. It makes so sense. ski chase ensues, and who, which for some reason decides to jump into the ski chase as well? Blowfield. Oh, yes. Now I, no I do have to, to say, <laughs> I, I do like the fact that they are at this point. I guess until the next couple of movies when they run out of ideas, they they find ways of introducing new types of chase scenes. I mean, you have car chases, you have helicopter chases. Now you have a ski chase. I mean, it's yep. the things remember, they think of. I told you at the beginning of this thing, man, ski would be skiing would be coming back. It'll happen again. We have more skiing yeah. and Bond to come. Oh uh, yes, <clears throat> yeah, I I do know that. I do remember that. But I just like through the first couple of movies, like each movie, it's like, all right, well, we've already had a car chase, so now we need something else. Yeah. We need a uh, let's do an air chase. Okay, yeah. let's do an air chase. Like, oh, we need something else. Uh, skiing. Let's do a skiing let's chase. Uh, let's let's do something else. Can we uh, can we have a um, uh, roller skating? Yeah, let's do roller skating. That makes no sense <laughs> to put in this movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll skip that one. Right. It's like they just keep trying to think of other chasings to throw in there. And like I thought that was kind of cool. Just keep amping it up, man. Just keep yeah, amping it yeah. up. Because um, I know there's another chasing towards the end where it's like, really, I didn't see that one coming. Mm-hmm. And you, you you know what I'm talking about. We'll get back to that one. But uh, it's just like we got to find a way to add new stuff to this movie. <laughs> we can't have car chasings. I mean, we'll throw a small one in there. Yeah. Maybe like three three of them small s- scattered. Maybe we'll throw a fourth one just in for, you know, kick sakes. But uh, yeah, we don't we don't need another car scene chase. Uh, but Blowfield, Blowfield chases as well, which I made a special note of doing this. Um, Blowfield, the best skier of the bunch. <laughs> he, he was, was like really on. good. He was. He was spot like, on. I'll give you like that. There were the, whatever stuntman played Blowfield was the best skier out of all of them. Um, you would yeah, think I, I the Bond stuntman would be, but no, Blowfield was. He was skiing his. He was skiing his goddamn bald ass off. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, um, even like at the point where, uh, or we might not. We not might not be there yet. But when he gets like halfway down the hill. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Or the chasing. Yeah. yeah, we're probably not that quite there yet. But I mean. Bond's ski tactics are pretty clever too, but I still give it to you. Blowfield, I think, had one up to him the whole time. Indeed, um, Bond takes a tumble while while running while while skiing uh, uh-huh. away from his pursuers. Um, <clears throat> breaks breaks a ski and continues to continue yeah. ski down the mountain on one yeah, ski. That, that's and that's what I was referring to. I mean, he's like yeah. one footed skiing, hopping around. He's like, one yeah, skiing, that's, that's, it, man. That's pretty it's, impressive. It is pretty impressive. So I will say, for two skis, Blowfield the better skier. For one ski, however, okay, Bond can. So rock now we're it. back to Bond. Bond can rock it. Um, <clears throat> during this scene, while Bond's Bond's running away on one ski, uh, a lone henchman in a, or a henchman in a in a in a, in a V formation. Henchman on the left in V4 Mansion continues to make a jump that nobody else felt the need to make. This henchman was was showboating, if you will. Um, trying to prove himself. Trying to prove himself. And, and he makes a jump and flies directly into a tree. <laughs> Sonny Bono style. God rest his soul. Flies straight into a tree. Um, and the leader of this V formation just calls him an idiot. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listening at home, let's have a serious moment of contemplation on who might this lone henchman be. What is his story? Where did he come from? Why did he feel the need to showboat off a ramp? Why did he feel the need to prove himself in that way? And why was he called an idiot by his peers? Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me enlighten you 
on the story of a kind, gentle soul by the name of Frank. Frank! Frank the henchman is back, ladies and gentlemen. And I've been Frank, waiting for Frank this whole movie. unlike Bond and Blowfield, is not a good skier. <laughs> he really isn't. I mean, that he tree was just like right there. I mean, you thought it would have kind of came out of nowhere, but the, the tree was like in plain sight. It's like, hey, I'm not moving. Dude, I'm not moving. You need to go around me. So, ladies and time. gentlemen, Frank, after all the chaos in his life, after all the college he went through to be a radio techni- radioactive technician for Dr. No, after retiring to Ukraine and, and selling flowers for his brother, <laughs> you know, um, after developing a great scuba career as a henchman for number two, and after whatever he did in the last movie, I already forgot. <laughs> he was shot. That's he was right. Like, he was the lever operator right. opening the, the volcano. That's right. And Frank got shot. After and, and Frank then, like, he, getting the place shot got blown up, he was dragged James out of Bond. there, was in you know, rehab for who knows how long. For who knows how long. We just knew he was going to come back. Like I thought they'd give him a desk job. Like I really did. I thought they were going to like put him in a desk job somewhere and be like, look, don't overdo yourself. You've been through a lot. Yeah. But no, they gave him skis and say, we're going down the mountain. Exactly. See so, how that works out for So him. he decides to, after getting shot and recovering, he decides, you know what? This life isn't for me. This life isn't for my family. <laughs> you know, so he packs up his wife and kids and he moves to Switzerland, a true neutral country. What on earth possibly bad could happen to him in Switzerland? It's neutral. You're not allowed to fight in Switzerland. You know? So he retires. Apparently no one got the memo on the top of that mountain. <clears throat> he retires to a ski resort. Um, you know, he's got a day job, you know, bringing like shit, shit kids up the mountain, letting them ski down the bunny slopes and whatnot. And he's finally given a job offer. They're, they're building this 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 grand research facility up north and you know his manager jill uh knew he had experience with radio radiation technology um so she put in a good word for him with the research facility up the mountain and said yo this guy's legit he knows his stuff i know you're doing like allergy research but this guy could be a great asset for you um and he's actually a decent skier too um so Based on Jill's recommendation, Frank gets the job up at the research facility. Unbeknownst to him, it's run by Blowfield again. Now, Frank swore he would never work for Blowfield after he got shot last in the last movie. But Blowfield's a very convincing guy. Convincing guy offered him a hell of a four hundred one k. You know, he is retired now, so he didn't make much down at the ski resort. So he kind of needed money. Um, so he took the job anyway. And he did not miss a single one of Thursday's ski lessons for the henchmen. Not a single lesson he missed. He was top of the ski class for henchmen, showed up on time, stayed late, practiced hard, worked his little ass off. So while skiing down the mountain, chasing Bond, chasing his nemesis who doesn't even know his name. Bond doesn't even know Frank's name. He doesn't. He's never bothered to ask. Frank sees this opportunity to prove himself and take a shortcut to cut Bond off and finally get his revenge on this man. But woe is me. Frank makes one crucial error with his shortcut and miscalculates the distance from the ramp to the tree. Thus smacking into the tree and knocking himself unconscious in the snow. So ladies and gentlemen, 
That is this episode's story of Frank the Henchman. <laughs> I was curious. You know, I, I knew he uh, was on rehab and he was recovering at the end of the last movie. And I was curious when he was going to come back in this movie. Somebody, I didn't, I didn't recognize him at first. He, in that ski outfit, I just I didn't know it was him. <laughs> Somebody listening, for the love of God, write that story down. <laughs> I will forget all of Frank's backstory. Because <laughs> well, you forgot he got shot in the last movie, which was like the biggest thing ever. I will forget all of Frank's backstory. Next episode, will, he will not will. have a wife and kids. He will be a single, <laughs> single, single father. You I, know. I, once he said wife and kids, I'm like, I didn't know Frank had a wife and kids. And Jill was the one that got him the job. Yeah, man. That. <laughs> We're learning I, a lot about Frank. To... We're learning just as much about Frank through these movies as we are Bond himself. We are. We definitely are. I feel yeah. like we need to come back and re-listen to this and just start <laughs> jotting it down so we know this backstory. Oh, my God. Um um, so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining joining me, Eric, with uh, uh, Frank's life story. Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to the chase scene. Back Bond's in the going chase down one hot, you know, one foot in this uh, ski slope, all the way down, and he gets to a point where he's, I think he falls again, but this time stopping himself before falling off. A right huge before cliff. falling off a cliff. Yep. But it's okay. He gets his skis back because he, you know aggressively takes him from two other skiers before throwing him off the mountain. Exactly. And the first guy he throws off this mountain, it is the longest fall sequence I've <laughs> ever is. seen in a movie. <laughs> the mannequin they used was like perfect because like you had like the one arm yeah. like posed and it's like you, you could tell they didn't take or they took like half the other arm out. So his jacket was just kind of rippling yeah. the whole way down. Like, My thing you is like, tell it's a mannequin. how did the mannequin fall literally straight down? Because weight, weight of the, the yeah. skis. Yeah, I guess yeah, they weighted they, weighted his ankles and yeah. whatnot. But yeah, you that's what I was saying. Like if you down. look, like if you watch that scene, the the left arm is like perfectly straight, like not moving a single inch, and then the right arm, the end of the jacket is just flapping in the wind. So yeah. It's almost like they just like cut off like half the arm of the mannequin, just let it go, <laughs> just let it like, roll. That, that's kind of cool. I was like, all you had to do was give him a little spin, and he could tell him like the helicopter, like parachuters <laughs> do. Like that would have been perfect. Um, but um, I love the scream too because it's that classic <laughs> yeah, voiceover. <laughs> Yeah. Again, another one of those uh, dub things you were talking about earlier about how the voice was dubbed over this whole scene, which was great. But I like how Bond threw that first guy off because it was like the guy like jumped and was like midair, and Bond was just like, I don't know if he had a log or something he picked up. I can't remember what he. It was grabbed. his own ski. It was Bond's was it? Own okay. Ski. I know he grabbed yeah. something, but he like literally like threw it up in the air like a, a karate chop, like a judo. I don't know what you want to call it. Some type of weird swing, and like. Probably judo, because as we know, he's trained in judo. Yes, not well, though. Not well. Not or well. no, he was trained well by non-masters of the art, if that makes more exactly. sense. Exactly. Or, or horrible yes. masters of the art. One yes. of the two. It's a classic, like it's like, a classic <gasps> story of those who don't do teach. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, anyway, he like throws up in the air. So the guy jumping ends up landing on the ski in Bond's hand, which essentially just throws him off um, course straight over the cliff and not down in the snow where he wouldn't have had time to stop before going off the cliff anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of pointless, but kind of cool, I guess. Um, so then there's the second guy he steals this ski from after like a, a, a mini fight and yeah, trying to a, like take the guy out with one of the skis. Yeah, bit of a bit of a tussle, if you will. Um, so he gets both of his skis and during the fight with the second guy, he's kind of keeping him quiet because Blowfield and mm -hmm. his henchmen are in his, in his posse, um, his inner circle, if you will are nearby. They skate off. Bond finishes off this skier. 
takes his skis and continues his his trek down the mountain. Which, um, by the way, the girls that were already left in the cable car have and the um, what you say her name was? Because I keep wanting to say Furline. Furline is that means Mrs. in Germany, so they call that's her right. Okay, I know I hear that all the time. I never really put two and two together. So she and the girls get off the cable car and then she escorts them onto a bus. Uh, shortly before Bond arrives in the, yes. this little town, which I thought was kind of neat. Because yep. at this point in time, she has no clue that uh, Bond's being chased down the mountain or that Bond's even you know escaped the facility to begin with. Yep. And he gets there and kind of like right after they leave, she gets in the car with them and then mm-hmm. this starts the next little chasing exactly. where Bond's on foot. Um, and I, I thought this was hysterical because this is in my mind, where he tries to use his spy craft, but you can tell he's kind of frazzled from everything, like the, the whole mountain ride down, because uh-huh. you start seeing him lose his spy tactics. Yeah. He goes he Mr. Some... Magoo's his way into a room full of bells. <laughs> yes. And then this <laughs> bell fight scene takes place. I'm like, oh, you can't have a regular fight scene. We've already used them. Now we got to have bells. Room full of bells. We're going to have a fight bells. scene with bells. Hey, you know, I'm like, we don't know why they're there. I mean, maybe we borrowed them from Pink Floyd. We, we're not sure. Or those were clocks. I'm sorry, that was clocks. clocks Bad reference. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it's like noise all over the place. Uh, but he does finally escape this room, which... Yes. Okay, now the spy tactics are scum- coming back to him, so yep. maybe one of those tumbles <clears throat> down the mountain, you know, roughly brain up or something. Because exactly. now he's he's getting clever. He grabs a coat and throws it on and walks into the crowd, because that's yep. what actual spies do. They try and blend in. Not not enough to foil... foil um, Froilein, however, she she no. notices uh, notices him by his hot tight blue pants. Um, <laughs> yeah, like that and, would give it away. And him and or her and the uh, her and the remaining henchmen follow him through the crowd. Can I look scouting out? Can I can I keep it mm-hmm. out for him? And this moment's actually pretty tense. I like the cutting back and forth between them, and yeah. you can tell Bond's kind of flustered. Yeah, you know, and on, it shows on how do I when he how do a, I get out of here? Yeah, you know, and that's I what I was talking about. It's kind of like when he gets into that building and it's like he, you can tell he's trying to figure it out but he's just overwhelmed by everything because he got yeah. attacked by that polar bear and he didn't see that coming yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> random polar bear in the middle of this in the middle of this this crowd of people um, which was really just someone in a polar bear costume him. who had a camera yeah um, um, but it did. If you if you look closely at that scene, you can ca- it catches him off guard. Oh yeah, which uh, it, it definitely goes with like you said the cutting of the scenes back and forth, like he, him getting frazzled when he turns around and this guy in a polar bear outfit with a camera just takes a picture. I mean the guy that's just laughing, he's like, "Oh, I got you, ha ha." Meanwhile, Bond's like freaking out. He's like, "What yeah. is going on?" And it um, takes him a minute to try and come back from that. Yeah, and Bond proceeds to hide on a bench next to the uh, next to the ice skating rink with a beer. Um, I love that. It's like when in doubt, just grab a drink and sit down. Yeah. it'll be okay. And honestly, this seems like the Bond has given up. Like he's mm-hmm. like, listen, I've got no way out of this. All I can do is hunker down and hope for the best. Yeah, you know. Um, so right before you know, Bond seems to be at the end of his rope. He, you know, there's no way of him to be getting out of the situation. An ice skater stops in front of him. Again, looks, another another nice take on cinematography. You just see the the skates roll around, skates skates, around, skates around, yep. and then you see one pair of skates stop. Yep, and you're like, oh great! Like yep. the the cut mm-hmm. scene was really done very well on the editing side of that. Mm-hmm. And as the camera pans up, it's revealed that it's Teresa. Mm-hmm. Yay! There Teresa, to save the day. Teresa's there to save today. She immediately says, "Bond," you know, sits down in his lap. He's like, "You look, I'm in trouble. I'm being chased." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Yo, I got you." Let's yep. let's do this. Fireworks go off and distract distract the guards as Bond and Teresa flee. Um, they make it to make it to Teresa's car, 
and proceed to drive to a payphone to contact contact London. Bond mm-hmm. needs to contact London to let him know what's going on. Before Bond can do that, however, Bond is attacked again by Froyline and Hinchman, um, drive-by style, which will come back later. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Bond is attacked drive-by style, and a car chase in snow ensues. Bond. And- now, again, here we are, another car chase. Another car chase. But I do like they they did this car chase slightly different as, yes. as we continue into the next scene. So yes. I'll give them credit. This car scene, this car chase scene, can stay in this movie. A, this car chase chases in snow first and foremost. Yeah, so it is slightly is different. I'll give them that. Now I'll the one that. thing I will cut here real quick before we too get too much into the action aspect of this scene. Um, during this car chase, it's cutting back and forth to Bond and Teresa in the car, and Teresa's the one driving this whole time. It's not Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and every now and then, Bond will lean over and, and you know kiss her and thank you, thank her, and this kind of thing. So it was neat to see that relationship between she is she is literally saving him. Yeah, you know, it's the it's the the closest relationship we've seen like this was in the previous movie with with Aki. Um, mm-hmm. Where we see a female, uh, a, a, a female protagonist, um, really holding her own a, a, alongside Bond. So I, I really yep. enjoyed seeing that. And like you mentioned in the beginning, this this kind of shows more of the human side of Bond, not the, yeah, the yeah, secret he's, spy. He's a lot more human in this. Exactly. Yeah. L- yep. Little less woman, still womanizing, but to a little less extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you see, you see Bond more as a human rather than just. A spy who'll do whatever, do whatever to get the job done. Um, but this car chase goes on for a little bit, and then finally it breaks. The car chase decides to make a hard left turn and into join rush hour. a car race. Yes, so we go from car hour. chase to car race. And I actually, I, I liked it because that was Bond's little little comment when they get they finally get into that. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, hopefully the crowd will you know disrupt them. So let's go this way." Exactly. And then they make it into the middle of this derby race, and he's like, "Oh, we must have hit rush hour." Exactly. Like, I just laughed hysterically. Yep. Like, yeah, of course um, you did. Why, why the, not? The car chase goes round and around and around. You know, the bomb yeah, car and the and the pursuit car, four lines car, are you know knocking other cars out of their way as as they go. Um, finally, four lines car loses you know, loses traction or whatever, crashes, and immediately explodes. Um, and I think you hear, uh, again, you talked about the dub, I think you hear her voice dubbed over. Yes. Saying like, ah, or something like right before it blows up. Exactly. Um, Meanwhile, everyone else gets out of the car except for her. Exactly. Um, Bond, you know, Bond escapes. They're driving driving down the roads, and they're caught in an epic-level snowstorm. Can't see yeah, a damn thing bad. in front of you. I've been in a situation like that when I lived up near you. Rough, uh-huh. rough shit, man. That's that's oh, yeah. scary when you can't see anything in front of when it's a whiteout situation. Oh yeah, um, they are pretty bad. So they pull into a random driveway and park in the barn and hunker down for the night. It was um, so bad that no one even knew they were there. Exactly, no one even knew they were there. Um, Bond and Teresa have a very tender moment in this scene where they're talking mm-hmm. back and forth and and you know Bond's talking about you know giving up the spy game and this that and the other thing and he asks. Teresa to marry him. Yes. And and she accepts. Um, <clears throat> then we have a moment where, you know, you would expect this to cut right into sexy time, right? But it, it doesn't. doesn't. It's such a sweet moment. He picks her up. He puts her down, you know, on this, this hay pallet thing. And then he lays Separate down on the, on the ground next to her. And, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like a wait for marriage type moment. And yep. then a moment yep. goes by where they kind of settle in. And then, you know what? Psych. 
Bond yeah. pulls her out of bed and was like, you know what? Nah, we the, got The this. best part is he doesn't even pull her out of bed. He grabs like a pitchfork laying next to him and it's like kicks out the board from underneath the wrist. So her bed falls and just makes her roll next to him. Yep. Like, I thought it was kind of cool. Like, all right, that's the classic Bond we know. <laughs> like, well played, sir. Well played. Um, but in the morning, we cut to the morning. Bright, sunny day. Snowstorm's yep. over. You know, beautiful sun reflecting off the snow. And who skis his bald little ass into the middle of this this <laughs> house? Um, to the barn. Good old Blowfield and Goons. Mm. I like to think that they've been skiing all night. <laughs> like through the blizzard? Yeah. The like, fact I that like they to found think them. all night. Because the last time we see them, they just, they're skiing away. And it's the yeah. same Blowfield and three goons. And they're the same outfits and everything. Absolutely. I like to think they've been skiing all night. Um, so they arrive at the, at the barn in the morning, but it's too late. Bond and Teresa are skiing off into the distance. Blowfield. Hey, real, and, I was going to say real quick, I, I forgot to mention during that whole talk between um, Bond and Tracy and all in the barn, I liked one of the, uh, when they were going back and forth, the one camera angle that was like underneath the bench or something and it had the light lighting up their faces. I thought yeah. it was another really cool visual effect. Mm-hmm. Um, my apologies, I didn't throw it in there. I yeah, just yeah, happened yeah, to reskim my notes. It, but it was a really neat scene. It was, it was kind of confusing how they went back and forth because at that angle and that scene, the way the light hit them was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but then they cut back to a different scene, which was just normal lighting. So it was kind of confusing with the jump back and forth. But it was a really neat effect. Again, very simple, light mm-hmm. up the faces, kind of darken the background to hit that spotlight on them. Uh, and with the angle low to the side when they're laying on each other and talking to each other, like through the bench and all, it's very clever, very easy, but adds that impact to the movie. Yeah. That I mean, obviously, obviously, you'll start seeing more and more as mm-hmm. films come out, not just in Bond, but nowadays and, yeah, in, in, in any movies. movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's <clears throat> neat to see that in this movie because it starts hitting you with that impactful impact of visual effects mm-hmm. that are very simple, very easy, but say a lot. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so Bond and Teresa are skiing off into the distance. Blowfield gives chase. There's a lot of goddamn skiing in this movie. There is. Again, another ski chase. So much skiing in this movie. Um, another ski chase ensues. Um, <clears throat> Bond and, and Teresa jump over a little trench dug by a snowblower. One of the following <laughs> pursuers does not and immediately gets eaten by said snowblower. Um, and Bond's, Bond's little uh, comment. He had guts. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um <clears throat> Blowfield Blowfield stops at the top of a ridge while while Bond and Teresa continue down, and we see a sign that says Avalanche Zone. Shh, be quiet. Uh, Blowfield proceeds to set off the avalanche using some sort of flare explosive little device thing he had. Um, I'm just thinking of it as like a giant party popper. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Because you know? I think it's what the sound waves or something that exactly. caused the ec- technically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teresa and Bond are running away from the, the avalanche, but they cannot escape. Uh, they fall and they fall for a very long time. I was going to say, it was kind of a, a tense avalanche. Like, they you didn't just, know what was going to happen. They with just this tumble thing. and tumble and tumble, and they're buried by the avalanche. Um, Blowfield says that that's enough to kill any super spy, but acknowledges that he's going to take Teresa because apparently that wasn't enough to kill her. Yeah, yeah, I thought that too. I was so, like, okay. I mean, because you, you see her, they were kind of next to each other, but you don't bother looking for Bond, who exactly. wasn't that far off, because 
Bond essentially wakes up, looks out as Therese is being dragged away. Exactly. Now, um, I was going to say, I, I, did you, unless you had something to say, I want no, to I was moving on briefly. to the next scene. Okay, good, because that's that's where I want to hit on. The next scene, if you don't mind me taking it over, sure, go ahead. The next scene starts with Bond in the window. And it's a flashback scene. The way this is done, I thought was really clever. I actually went back and watched it a second time because I wasn't quite sure how they did it the first time. I had my suspicions. Uh, the best I can tell, it looked like when Bond's sitting in this window, he's kind of looking to his left. <clears throat> and what you're seeing is a replay of when he woke up seeing the two men dragging Tracy's body away. Yeah, it's a flashback the, sequence. It is a flashback sequence. However, the way they did it, I thought was really neat because when I watched it the second time, I figured it was just like an overlay or something, however they did it. they, From what I can tell, they projected that scene onto the window because if you look closely, you can see the light reflecting from the, the blue and the whites of the flashback, so to speak, on um, Bond's Bond like, neck and his yeah. chest and all that. So it, it was really neat how they did it because they had the window angled so and Bond angled so that Bond was perfectly in looking over at the flashback, which was just you know projection like we've talked in the previous movies onto the window, but creates this really really cool simple easy effect mm-hmm. that looks like so much money went into and looks like it's you know special feature or something like that when really in reality it didn't look that uh, like it was that complicated, but no. again made a huge impact. Oh, yeah. I thought it oh, was yeah. really 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 cool. Yeah, that's uh, the first then, time we see a flashback sequence, man. It looks it, it definitely mm-hmm. definitely definitely looked really well really well done yes i i I give it props like i said i went back and watched the second time just to kind of look closer and it was really really cool uh but then you hear a phone go off and it's a nice little red phone on whose desk eric on m's desk we are back in london at headquarters um m has a phone call with somebody we we, i don't think we determine who it is it's like something nations or some big thing united nations some big big wig organization that's all he really says they have received blowfield's demands um and m's hands are tied you know they've they've got to they've got to meet his demands you know getting rid of the ability to reproduce is a kind of a big deal for everybody Mm -hmm. and Um, i think if i'm saying the payment is a lot of money but may it also is pardoning him and pretty much making him the count Yes. That he wanted to be, yeah, pardon. So pretty much let him so get he can, away. He can do whatever yeah. he wants, basically. Yep. Um, Bond's not having this, you know. So despite him saying, you know, I've got my orders, you've got yours, we're not to get involved in this. Uh, mm-hmm. Bond leaves and contacts Draco, Draco, um, Yeah, Markov, Draco, Draco Tracy, Tracy's Markov. dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just kept calling him Markov the whole movie for help. Um, mm-hmm. because M's hands are tied. Bond and Drakov take the helicopters back to, take helicopters disguised as Red Cross helicopters back up Great to the disguise, mountain. Great disguise, by the way. Um, the, uh, the scene they have there when they're coming in and like the radio conversation back mm-hmm. and forth was awesome. I oh, thought it was, that was really clever. That was very humorous. Where, where, where the, like, listen, we got a lot of blood here. We're trying to get it over to this big issue mm-hmm. that happened in Italy. Yep. Look, you can shoot us down, but we got to go. Like, no, we don't have time to stop and verify credentials. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Blowfield during you know cutting back and forth between these two scenes, there's a scene with Blowfield and Teresa where he's basically just attempting to seduce her. You know, yep. he's like, if it works for Bond, why won't it work for me? Because only you're a creepy bald kinda... man with a white cat. <laughs> That's true. why it doesn't work for you. And I think the only reason she plays along is because during the back and forth radio conversation with her dad and the center control, yes. she realizes who it is. She, she overhears. Goes, Help is on the way. Yep. All right. Overhears I'll play that, the game it is, now. that it is her father. 
Um, so she kind of she kind of plays along for a minute and requests to be taken to the Alpine Room. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> upon arriving at the Alpine Room, almost instantaneously the helicopters begin to attack the facility. Yes. Um, and this is where it fucking kicks off. This is it's Bond. true. This is the like Bond I had to stop several starts, times to play catch up. Yeah, the Bond theme theme starts going and does not stop the yeah. entire then, scene. And in this, like, I don't want to even call it a collage, but there's a lot of jump back and forth between what all is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, Bond getting in the air with a helicopter, henchmen shooting each other like they always do. Um, the, a little fight breaks out with Tracy and one of the henchmen. Blowfield's trying to run away. Markov's doing his thing. Like, there's a lot that's going on in these next couple scenes. Um, but with all of that, it's still kind of neat how they kind of did the tiny little mini sequences. Yes. So, like, while they're flashing back... Tracy and his henchmen are in a fight. They're going back and forth. She tries to escape, and then I think she like puts him through the railing, and then he falls down the steps, and then she tries to um, go down the steps. So then he comes back, and mm-hmm. I think it ends with like her throwing him into throwing, spikes throwing on the him wall. into some spikes on the wall. Yeah. 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 Meanwhile, I have to say, I love Bond's intro to this fight scene. That was like the coolest thing to me. Like I give props to that that scene right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the biggest thing. Like the helicopter lands, he gets off, and what is he doing? He's like playing the whatever that ice game was, but it's like him just sliding down, yep. machine gun away. It's <laughs> like super. Like I don't know how he did that fast. Yeah. I feel like someone just like you know, like the five other guys on the helicopter just got down. Like all right, ready, one, and two, and go. Throw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, because he was flying. Yeah, he was booking it. Um, uh, man yeah. on a mission, dude. Got to get back the woman yeah, he was. loves. It was, it was. Um, but yeah, after the fight sequence between uh, Teresa and the henchmen, um, Drakov and Bond arrive uh, to rescue her. She's taken taken away. Um, she's taken away by Drakov's by Drakov's henchmen. Um, back to the helicopter. Bond continues his search for Blowfield and finds a, finds a secret panel, taking pictures of ident- the identities of all of I'm going to nickname them. Blowfield's Angels. Well, yeah, because um, actually he mentions that comment. At, I think at some point in time, he's like, "Consider them my angels of death" or something. Yeah, which are in the real world, ready to release the the uh, virus, essentially. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Blowfield shows up and starts firing at Bond, so a fight and chase with Blowfield ensues. Mm-hmm. Um, Drakov knocks out his own daughter forcing her to get aboard the helicopter because she did not want to leave without Bond. But yep. they've got to go. The Bond's bond, bomb has been set. Bond knows the exactly. timetable. we got to get out of here. we got to get to safety. Um, while they're on the helicopter, the facility explodes just as Blowfield and Bond barely escape out of a mm. random window. Yeah, back doors on that. <laughs> back, yeah, random back door. Um, then we basically cut into the Blowfield and Bomb, Bond slit, Bob... Blowfield and Bond bobsled spectacular. Yeah, the slew just chasing, which is, again, they ran out of chasing. It's like, we've done skiing three times in this movie. Yeah. Uh, we've done, like, ten car chases. Yeah. We, we've had some foot battles. We need something new. We need, a, I think it was pronounced sluge or it's something like that. Well, luge, luge, but this in particular luge, was bobsledding. Okay, Luge bob and bobsledding are a little bob different. Yeah. yeah, okay. But essentially now we have to have a bobsledding uh chase scene with mm-hmm. guns and grenades and all this other stuff which i give them props you know they came out you know swinging in this movie with chase scenes i, I yeah, definitely give them yeah. props on that one this was a pretty they're, they're co- this was a pretty cool scene though it goes it goes back and forth very fast paced mm-hmm. um honestly we get to this moment where bumble you know bumble 
Blowfield. <laughs> Blowfield is out of bullets, throws his gun at Bond. It kind of skips off the hood of Bond's bobsled. Um, and then Blowfield proceeds to fumble with a grenade until it drops basically in his lap. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he throws like, well, it out. into Blowfield. Yep. Throws nope. it out just in time um, to blow Bond's bomb. Bond's bobsled. Bomb. God, this last scene's a tongue, t- tongue twister. Um, off the track. Uh, Bond you know, cuts, you know, cuts corners, basically. Jumps. Yep, and jumps to Blowfield's sled. And then there's a big fight scene back and forth between him and Bond on the, on, on the sled. Mm-hmm. Back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth. One's on top, one's on, you know, one's on the bottom, just left and right. Just like awkward bedroom you know foreplay one's on top <laughs> one's on bottom you switch you're side by side somehow you're both in front of each other i don't know how that happens but um just just back and forth finally blowfield has the advantage he's on top of bond and then uh-oh we see coming up there's a tree mm-hmm. blowfield is clotheslined by the oncoming tree and um, left to hang pretty much and, and left to hang pretty much um bond's bobsled goes on and then we essentially cut no breaks yep we essentially cut right back into Bond buying the ring that he saw earlier for him and Teresa's now, wedding. What, what I, one of the things I thought was kind of funny, and just another one of those Bond save the day joke phrases that he likes to do all the time, when his sled finally cl- crashes, and I think it's closer to like a ski resort or something like oh, that yeah. towards the bottom, like the thing goes rolling and he, he jumps out, I guess, before it, it tumbles down the thing, uh, down the hill and all. And he's just laying there. And what do you see? You see one of those classic um, Snow Patrol sled dogs. I can't remember the type of the brand. St. Bernard. St. Bernard, thank you. Just come running up to him, just you know, kind of save the day. Like, here, I'm here to protect mm-hmm. you. And he's like, can you at least bring me the brandy? Is like, you know, that, that would was be a, helpful. Thanks. That was a line improvised by George Lazenby. Was it? Yeah, he imp- he improvised that line. That was not a scripted line. Uh, well, I mean, it was cool because it was mm-hmm. kind of like that classic, like, Bond saves a day. Hey, I have, you know. Yeah, I think he also makes a quick, when when Blowfield is clotheslined by the, by the branch, I think he literally says, good to see he's branching out. Something like that, yeah. yeah. There was like a little quip there as well. Yeah, I, I, I caught bits and pieces of it. I didn't catch word for word, so I didn't write that mm-hmm. one down. But he did make some type of comment there. But I, I liked how the dog came up. It's like, oh, you know, it's that classic when the everything's done and Bond saves the day. He always has that, in, as later movies come, he has that little comment that he makes. Yeah. And yeah, that was finale. that scene. Yeah, it was his little final scene. Yep. Like, hey, I saved the day. Thanks, dog. Where's my Where's my drink? And, and then it cuts back to him they going could to that. It, could have ended it here with the alleged Blowfield death. But, no, yes, they cut back great. to <clears throat> Bond buying a ring for him and Teresa's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, MQ and Moneypenny are in attendance. Moneypenny looks very displeased. Yes. She yes. does not look very happy that her no. man mm-hmm. has been taken by this hussy that he met, over, he met somewhere in Europe. Yeah. You know? I did like the uh, M and Markov kind of little quirks back and forth they're they're trying to do that like it's like the awkward parents are bonding yes. type deal yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time they both know that they're like the head of the opposite you know one's a one's a criminal uh, one's, criminal one's, one's a yeah. leader of the, the secret service yeah. <clears throat> yeah and they're both kind of like oh yeah remember that time where you did this oh yeah remember the time you did this yeah. like yeah and like oh well hey we're good <laughs> friends now um, I did like that. That was funny. A little and bit then, of back and forth in scenes like that. There's like a conversation with Q where Q where, and Bond. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's like, I know we haven't always gotten along or something like that. And Bond's like, look, Q, you know, this time I got the gadgets and I know how to use them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I mean, this is only the second time you see Q in this whole movie. There was no real actual gadget time or anything with this no, movie. No, not at all. Um, no real one. Yeah, this is the only time you see Q interact with Bond is, is this wedding scene. With this Bond, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I um, wondered throughout the whole movie, I'm like, you didn't see it in the beginning, so mm-hmm. where was the, a scene where Q did intera- uh, interact with Bond? Nowhere. So, just here. Yeah, just here. Um, but then right before they're they're hopping in their car after the wedding to, to go off and enjoy their honeymoon, um, Drakov and Bond have a brief moment of conversation where mm-hmm. earlier in the movie, Drakov had promised a, a million pound bond or dowry for marrying his daughter. So he slips that into Bond's coat and Bond gives it right back to him and, you know. Yep. Yeah, and says you know it's your your daughter's worth you know worth more than that. It's you know it's 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 he's yeah. not doing it for the money basically. Um, so right before they hop into the car, we cut to Money Pity, who seems visually distraught and upset about mm. about losing losing Bond. Presumably, he's marrying, he's retiring. You know, yep. li- their lives are changing. Um, so Bond, what does he do? Throws money, throws money, Penny the hat for one mm-hmm. last time before yep. the wedding car leaves. Yeah, you could tell that, that was, very, was like, yeah, that was that was a good scene. That was really clever, and you could tell like it showed in Money Penny's you know face too. It's like, and yeah. then of course Q has to come in and say something about him and his uh, what he he said something like <clears throat> he has no respect for company product property or, or something, something, property, like, that, something yeah. like that yeah look i kind of laughed at that as he grabs a hat from money penny and tries like dust it off <laughs> and pull it back open. Um, i laughed at that one but the wedding car leaves and bond stops the car to take care take flowers off the car after it, they they'd been passed by they another passed, group of kids yeah. who were kind of laughing and you know the making a big deal about that. it so <clears> bond's <throat> taking the flowers off the car and we have another cute moment between bond and his his new wife teresa yep. and um, the the commentary between the two of them, especially towards the second half of the movie, when you can tell there's more seriousness between the two, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I felt like there was a nice connection that is shown yeah. from beginning to end. The bond between them is really um, powerful towards the end of the movie. Like yeah. they're joking back and forth about where they're going to go, what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They're making little comments to each other, like "Here's a flower. Don't eat it all at once," or whatever. Like. And every little quick joke that the classic Bond would say, she's got a response for. Exactly. It, it's it's perfect matchup. Yeah. Um, and, and so this scene was really powerful uh, from here on to the end of the movie. Yeah. It was very powerful. <clears throat> um, and then all of a sudden we hear a car coming down the road. And it's we see that it is Blofield and the Froyline Blofield wearing a neck brace. I kind of laughed at that scene at first. Fourline drives by, and we've got another drive-by situation where they pepper the car full of bullets. Bond's hiding on the other side. Bond, you know, shouts out, "That's Blowfield!" and jumps in the car, immediately ready to give chase. Looks to his left and see Teresa shot dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Then he he holds her for a moment, and you see like a police over police officer pull up. Yeah. And he has a moment of it's okay. She's resting. You know, we'll be yeah. al- we'll be we'll be along soon. You know. Yeah, we've got the we got all the time in the world, all which I think was a comment the they said which before is, yeah. the beginning of the scene. Yeah. Um. Um. Then the, then we then we roll credits. Yeah. Now, the like as a scene ending. <laughs> this, this was definitely rough. Like we've I did not see this ending so coming because again, this is a movie that I, I have not seen. Yeah. 
Um, at least not that I remember, especially not entirely. And when it got to this this ending, it was a powerful ending, both visually, um, audibly, if you go by the music and the way mm-hmm. that it cuts out, storytelling, like all of it. It had a very strong ending. Yeah. Uh, not the way that we normally see Bond movies. I mean, especially with visual effects, because we know I've been kicking on those the whole way through. <clears throat> you see, like through the driver's window, they... You, at first, when you see the shot, you can see like she's actually shot, and the you know, bullet comes through the window. She's got the blood and all that. But then, when he lays her down right before the the guy on the scooter yeah, guard, the whatever he officer, pulls whatever up, he is, yeah, yeah, he like lays her down in his lap and kind of covers her up so that the, the guard has no clue. Yeah. Um, and from there on out, it's like you can tell Bond's holding back. He's trying to be strong, but there's still mm-hmm. that emotional impact there. Yeah. But the visual side effect, you know, he he kind of like covers her up and he's like being respectful and trying to hold her. But then the camera kind of pans right before they roll credits back over to the front windshield where you just see the bullet hole, her yeah. lane. Like all you see is like half of him, her in his lap. And that's where it rolls credits. Yeah. Like it, it leaves on such a strong yeah. emotional hit. Yeah. Like, it's it really like, does. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's not like something else happens. It rolls into Bond recovering. Like, that's it. That's all, that's all we get. Yep. It is literally black, some credits, and then we see um, in the outro credits, James Bond 007 will return in the next movie, which is Diamonds Are Forever. Yes. That's, that's it. That is the end of the movie. That's what we get. Yep. And I will say, this movie is definitely a roller coaster when it comes to the end of the movie. Yeah, definitely the 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 last the last hour is is solid. It's solid mm-hmm. Bond. It's solid movie. Um, it's very emotional, and like the beginning of the movie, establishing that relationship with him and Teresa, you know, it 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 definitely carried more weight with how you know with how the movie ended with her death. Um, but it was it was slow. It was yeah, a, I, a I think slog. They like. They could have sped mm-hmm. some things up in the very beginning. I mean, there was a lot of information that we got, um, even about Blowfield and like Bond's search for Blowfield that we didn't need. Yes, that ended yep. up having no weight on on the actual ending of the movie. Um, like I feel like if they could have tidied that up a little bit better with um, a little bit more. I don't know. I don't want to say like history or something with Dracov. Like I, I felt like Dracov's yeah. character was great for this movie. And if I'm not mistaken, potentially other movies as far as like his uh, connection to the criminal world and all that. And now yeah. somewhat relationship with bond. I feel like they could have had dragged out the, them being on opposite sides a little bit longer instead of just, Hey, we're friends. Okay. Now I need you to help my daughter. Like I, I feel like there could have been a little bit more between them to kind of fill out the front Part of the movie, rather than that what, rather than yeah. everything else we got, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and they, and they could have brought a little bit more to it, and it, maybe it would have helped a little bit more on the Tracy side and so on. But mm-hmm. it was, if it wasn't for all like the little visual cues and stuff that I kind of caught my attention enough for me to write my notes and like, oh, that's kind of cool, that's kind of cool. Like, I think I would agree, the beginning part of the movie was a mm-hmm. little bit slower. I yeah. was entertained for different purposes that a normal. Uh, moviegoer would probably miss or not really pay attention to. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with you there. It was a slow intro, uh, but it, it made up for it at the end. But that that way that ends is it's, a, it's, it's definitely a roller coaster. It's yeah, like, it's hey, we're ending. having fun, and then hit the brakes, get off. It's yeah. done. You're over. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> did not see that coming. 
Um, well, before we get into the, uh, the the breakdown of where we're going to put this on the list, you want to rock some trivia time? It is trivia time. Yes. No, trivia we are, we are not skipping trivia time. We uh, we're in the movie. It is trivia time. Then we will get into the rankings of this movie because absolutely. I mean, there's a lot to go over in this movie. So, but I want to hear some more trivia before we get to that. All right. Point. So, ready? Yep. <gasps> it's trivia, trivia, <laughs> trivia time. Da, da, da. I've, I'm not gonna lie. I forgot you were doing your song. I'm like, oh, dude, are you gonna look like speed through this? Is this like speed <laughs> trivia? What are you doing? Uh, as of 2019, George Lazenby is the youngest actor to portray 007 at age 29 during filming. The rest of the mm. actors and their ages, in no particular order, are as follows: Sir Sean Connery was 31, Sir Roger Moore 45, Timothy Dalton 40, Pierce Brosnan 41, and Daniel Craig 38. Those were their ages when they started filming the movies. I did not know. So he is the youngest Bond. Um, I already talked about the humming or the whistling of the Goldfinger theme. Yeah, I did not catch that. I have to go back and... Mm -hmm. um, Um, I heard him whistling, I just wasn't paying attention to what he was whistling. Back to the gun barrel sequence. This is the only gun barrel sequences in all of the Bond movies in which Bond drops down on one knee while shooting at the audience. I did notice that. I thought that was just the way they did Because in the last one, Sean Connery did it. He didn't actually drop down his knee. He dropped down, but you kind of see his knee it's kind like of a wobble hunch. back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't drop fully to drop down. Um, it's also the only version of the sequence where the descending blood completely erases Bond's image, leaving only a red circle. In every other movie, you can still see Bond through the blood. Um, you know what? Thinking back, I didn't pay attention to that, but yeah. The theme song, All We Have in the World, all, We Have All the Time in the World, is the theme song that played at the beginning intro. So that's references to the end of the movie. Um, mm. That was performed by Louis Armstrong, famous really? jazz musician. And that was the last thing he ever recorded. He died two years later. Oh, wow. Um, I, I didn't know that either. But if I remember correctly, was there... Because I know I went back to rewatch the visual aspects of it. The intro was just music, though. It wasn't actually any singing or anything, right? No, it was, it was just, just music. Just instrument. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but was... he also sings, like, the, the singing form of it is what is done during the montage where him and Teresa are getting to know each other. Uh, okay. That's the same song. It's just with the lyrics added. Um, and I didn't pay attention to that either. But this I, is... I mean, I watched the montage, but I didn't really pay attention to the the song of the yeah. lyrics and all that. Um, but this is also the first theme song um, of the film franchise to not include the movie's title as part of the lyrics. Every other Bond mm-hmm. so far has included the movie's title as part of the lyrics. You know, Goldfinger. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, let's see. A little bit of backstory about George Laz- Lazenby. Before his interview, he had secured a suit that was ordered but not Collected by Sean Connery. He also bought a Rolex and got a haircut to look like Sean Connery. So that way he talked his way to an, into a meeting with producer Albert, Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman and director Peter Hunt. After bluffing his way into the meeting and falsely claiming that he had wide acting credits, he secured a screen test. Lazenby then confessed to Hunt that he just made it all up and he wasn't an actor. He was strictly a model. Um, Hunt laughed at, him and laughed at him and told him, you just strolled in here and managed to fool two of the most ruthless bastards in the business. You're an actor. Nice. <laughs> so he kind of lied his way into, uh, into a screen test for Bond. Um, 
Timothy Dalton was offered the part of James Bond before George Lazenby, but turned it down, feeling that at the time, he, being at the age of 22, he was too young and inexperienced to take the role. He did come back and you know come back when he was older to play Bond in Living Daylights and License to Kill in the late 80s. Nice. So we could have had Timothy Dalton at the at the young age of 22 be be Bond. Be Bond. It would have been an interesting one though. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the only James Bond movie in which it was completely set and filmed in Europe. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't think about that. Uh, let's see. Adam West, a close personal friend of producer Albert Broccoli, was offered the part of James Bond. West said that while he was very tempted, he turned it down, feeling that the role should be played by an English actor. So we also could have had... <laughs> Adam West as James Bond. Wow. <laughs> uh, this is the longest movie at two hours and 22 minutes of any James Bond movie until the release of Casino Royale in 2006, which runs two minutes longer, and Spectre in 2015, which is now the current longest running movie at four minutes longer than Casino Royale. Uh, both um, great movies. This is one of only two times in the James Bond franchise that he has shown in his office. This movie and the second time being in Die Another Day in 2002. I was going to say, I, I don't ever remember seeing him in the office. And when mm-hmm. I came across this scene, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. But then again, it's been forever since I've seen him Die Another Day, too. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, George Lazenby, before his stint as James Bond was a car salesman with a part-time job as a male model. He was also well-known in Great Britain as the Big Fry Man after the chocolate bar commercials in which he starred carrying an oversized bar of chocolate on his shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) So zero acting chops before this movie. And it does kind of show a little bit in the movie. Is trivia time. Yes, it does. (laughs) Now... Be, I guess it would be a good time to bring this up. We had talked briefly beforehand of this movie. Now that trivia is done, but this could be a, somewhat of a trivia um, or more of an info to influ, uh, influence our decision-making on the very end of our ranking. We had talked about how this one-off, or however you want to play it, movie was slightly confusing. I mean, it had a story. It had connections to the other movies. Uh, it had references to Lazenby not being Connery, but mm-hmm. still potentially being the same Bond, either way, just a different actor. But the story seemed kind of confusing uh, as far as the connection between Bond and Blowfield and like how they met up, how they were chasing each other. Uh, and I know you kind of briefly hit on that before we got into this recording. Do you want to running through that real quick what yeah we're talking about one of the issues that i mean i had several issues with this movie this this movie is one of those that i'm very conflicted on because there's so many parts that i really love i love the relationship between bond and Teresa and the the impact that the ending has and the action sequences like you know aside from that like the said the slog of the first hour everything else I, i really enjoyed i can get past lazenby's you know lazy acting style because he was because he was inexperienced he was basically trying to mimic sean connery just in kind of a poorer way um i can get past all of that but one of the scenes um and like we talked about this you know this is supposed to be in the same timeline as, as the previous movies um but when blowfield and 
Bond meet in this movie, it's as if they met for the first time, even though they knew each mm -hmm. other from the previous, you know, from, from the previous film. There were a couple um, ideas that production knocked knocked back and forth to try, like maybe Bond went and underwent, underwent, underwent cosmetic surgery, you know, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of those plans ended up being scrapped. Um, and this movie was supposed to have been filmed before um, You Only Live Twice, as far as the order mm -hmm. of the books is concerned. But something happened and they had to film them out of order. Um, so this movie does kind of have its own universe feel. It's almost like a... It reminds me a lot of like a Marvel one shot yeah. where it's like, or a Marvel what if, you know, where it's like, it's using the same Canon timeline, but it's, this isn't, this isn't the Canon story type deal. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it feels like. And I don't remember how diamonds are forever starts. So I don't remember if this diamonds are forever is, is like a direct sequel to this movie or if they just completely forget you know, this relationship and this ending or anything. I, I, I don't mm. remember. So we'll have to, my opinion may change next week. Um, but for now, this movie definitely feels like a, uh, much like George, La George Lazenby, it feels like just a one shot, you know, just, yeah. just a one-off. A, a very well done one-off, but mm -hmm. a one-off nonetheless. And, and that was one of the confusing things to me that once you said that kind of clarifies a couple of things, like looking back at uh, You Only Live Twice and especially when, you know, how Bond has to fake his death in the beginning and how um, when he meets Blowfield, it's kind of like they know who each other are. That makes more sense if this movie, story-wise, was supposed to take place before that. Yeah. Because it gives you a reason, especially after the way that ended, for Bond to essentially fake his death and try and track Blowfield down because obviously they know who each other are. There's already history, like yeah. bad history, like powerful history that they've got to kind of go out of the box to try and catch each other. So, I mean, story wise, if this took place before the last movie, it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, but at the same time, the intro they had and, um, now granted throughout the, uh, the intro, they show a scene or two from the last movie, which makes it seem like this movie takes place afterwards. Yeah. But the, uh, scene in his office where he's going through the previous missions, gadgets and all. If I remember correctly, there was no reference to anything there of the last movie. So no, it, it is kind of confusing throughout this movie of where it actually takes place in the story or if yeah. it even does, which <clears throat> essentially so if you, it does. If you, want, like if you reverse these, if you rever reverse these movies, everything makes a little bit more sense. Besides so, the scene in the intro, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing that kind of like throws you out. But so you know, putting it that way, I, I agree. I like how it was done in the order that we are watching them. It's kind of out there and confusing. Uh, granted, I know this isn't the first time that prequels have come out after the main no. movie. And it's a bond. So it's on. a bond movie too. I mean, so you yeah. Know. And a lot, sometimes they're one offs and they don't have no ties to any of the other bond movies. Yeah, anyway, I mean, we'll, we, yeah, we'll um, reach, we'll reach many, many bond movies that, that, yeah. that are like that as well. Yep. Yeah. I am kind of curious with Sean Connery, coming back in the next movie right if i'm yeah. not mistaken yeah Sean this, that's back. his one last movie yes. as bond his okay. diamonds are forever yeah yeah so i'm curious to see because i don't remember much of that movie if any at all in that one either because i won't really start remembering the bond movies until we get to pierce brosman because i've only seen bits and pieces of everything of before. the ones before that yeah yeah so i couldn't tell you what movies they are what scenes they are who was in them uh i just remember like seeing bits and pieces like chasing mm -hmm. here action scene there whatever so I'm curious to see how the next movie goes with Sean Connery back as Bond mm -hmm. and if it picks up right after this or if it's going to be more like picks up after uh, the last movie, uh, yeah. You Only Live Twice. So I am kind of curious to see what happens. 
Um, that was one of the things that made this movie hard to place anywhere higher on the list. Uh, well, with, however, with that said, where are we going to put this on the list? I feel like. Well, um, let me let me let me for those listening. Let me review the list where we're at currently. Where the current standing of Bond in review is number one from Russia with Love. Number two, You Only Live Twice. Number three, Thunderball. Number four, Goldfinger. Number five, Doctor No. Mm-hmm. So, in my preference, I think, or my yeah, my preference is we put this above Doctor No. I, I I absolutely agree with you. It's, I do think it is a better movie than Doctor No. I, yes, I, I, I do. Um, I know we briefly hit on this beforehand just to get a feel of our decisions on this movie. Uh, I, I'm tying it with Goldfinger. I can see it a little bit better than Goldfinger for different reasons, and I can see it below Goldfinger for other reasons. It depends on if you're looking at it as far as um, characters, story, uh, action versus slow parts of the movie. If you're like looking at it in its whole, both movies are comparable. Yeah. Uh, I think the one thing that this movie has over Goldfinger was uh, not just the action and the bond feel that you have towards the end of the movie, but the, the storyline between him and Tracy and in my preference, I like some of the special effects and all that were used mm-hmm. more in the movie. They, they caught my attention more, but yeah. that's also because I, mean, yeah, I have a little bit of a of history yeah. there. I like to, I like seeing that, that, that more human bond as well. Mm-hmm. So God, so would we put, would this be above or below Goldfinger then? I, I kind of feel like it, it deserves a little bit higher place above Goldfinger because, you know, as the next movies come out, it's yeah. just going to keep going down and down the list. But I I kind of enjoyed it a little bit more than Goldfinger. Yeah, I would I would agree, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Would not put it above Thunderball. Though. No, no, would not put it above Thunderball at all. So I agree with you. I So that, that'll that'll settle it in. We'll put. On Her Majesty's Secret Service is officially the number four on the Bond and Review. All right. So we have, from Russia with Love, number one, You Only Live Twice, number two, Thunderball, number three, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, number four, Goldfinger, number five, Dr. No, number six. Now, the next review would be the villain review, which is kind of pointless because in this movie, who is the villain? Of course, Blowfield. Well, I, I mean, I, yeah. I really wouldn't put any other villain in there. Markov was no, technically a no, bad no. guy that was a was a helper. He was a friend. I wouldn't put the the woman in there because she was like the the sidekick henchman. No, it's um, Blowfield's absolutely the villain of this movie. Um, so now, where we would where we had where you have to figure out is is was this Blowfield better than than the old Blowfield or not? No, no. I actually will you know keep the villain list as it stands. Goldfinger and Oddjob at number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is number two. <laughs> <laughs> Spectre General in red is three. Uh-huh. Um, number four would be number one, a.k.a. Blowfield, head of Spectre, from, and I'm going to have to put this in parentheses, from You Only Live Twice. Mm-hmm. Then I would have Blowfield from this movie as number five and Dr. No is number six. And I'll have to put in parentheses because even though it's technically the same character Blowfield as the enemy, 
Uh, I don't think this Blowfield uh, was as menacing no, or it's a different interpretation felt like a it. villain. Yeah, I mean, I know it was a different actor and all that, but just the way he was portrayed in this movie was not as impactful as the no. last one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would almost, man, like, like I'm, I'm actually surprised. Like, I mean, the actor did a fine job. It was a different take on Blowfield, mm-hmm. but I'm actually surprised that you put this Blowfield higher than Doctor No. Actually, you know what? Then now that you mentioned that, I, I simply did it just because it was Blowfield. So I was like, okay, well, Blowfield four, Blowfield five. But yeah. I kind of feel like Doctor No was a little bit better. Doctor No is a better villain so, than this Blowfield. Yeah, we'll we'll just bump him down the list, yeah. and we'll have to put in parentheses which Blowfield from which movie he is <laughs> uh, so, to make it less confusing. So one final check: what's the final ranking for villains? So the final ranking for villains is number one: Goldfinger and Oddjob. Number two is number two. I love you that have, so much. <laughs> I know. He's going to have to stay there the entire way. I don't care if any other villain is better than him. He's just going to have to stay there because he's number two. Um, number three is the Spectre General and Red, the anti-Bond, as I like to put him. Uh, number four is number one, a.k.a. Blowfield, head of Spectre from You Only Live Twice. Uh-huh. It's going to be a mouthful every time. Uh, number five is going to be continued to Dr. No. Yep. And number six is now... Blowfield from Her Majesty's um, Secret. Service. Her Majesty's Secret. Yeah, I was just like, "What movie are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what did we just talk about for the last hour and 20, yeah. <laughs> two hours?" <laughs> so that is that is your one through six current list, uh, due to change next week. I hope absolutely. All right. Well, that's trivia. That's our crazy, crazy roller coaster of a ride movie for mm-hmm. our, our one-off, weird, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> Lazenby special of Bond. Um, and that is Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yes. Yep. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. On, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, sorry. So with that, next movie in rotation is Diamonds Are Forever. Indeed. We and are with back that, to Sean Connery. Yes, for one last movie. So with that, Eric, I will let you take over with your last comments, your closing outro. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this episode of Friday Films Bond in Review for On Her Majesty's Secret Service. If you liked what you listened to on this episode, don't forget you can follow us on any social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Presents. Best way to get a hold of us, best way to, st- best way to share your lists with us. Best way to, for the love of God, send me a <laughs> recap of Frank's story so I don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> but he yes, will return frank, will, frank return. will always return but let us know and now we jordan and i don't want to dig into it now because we still have one more um sean connery movie to go mm-hmm. but we've seen two bonds now let us know if yep. you actually thought lazenby should have done more movies if you thought he could have developed into a better bond I, um, I would have been interested to see it. I would have been interested I, I to see, see that. that as well. You know, um, I also would have been interested to see just Sean Connery in this movie. I don't <laughs> feel it would have had the same weight, but yes, I would have been interested to yeah, see it too. I, I, I interested think it's something about having Connery out of this movie. Nothing against Connery's role. Look, I think he would yeah. have played a great Bond, but this story... It almost felt like it was written more for Lazenby than yeah. It than gives. It, it I don't know why. A, yeah, it definitely has a different, different feel. feel. I'll give you yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. So with that said, at Hoodoo Presents on any social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All right, audience. We appreciate you guys joining us and joining and listening on our crazy movie reviews. <laughs> they seem to get wilder and wilder each time. 
Uh, so with that, we'll catch you all next week with Diamonds Are Forever. Again, this is Jordan and Eric. And until next time, let the credits roll. <laughs>